Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing for the NRL Tour. Another week in the NRL down, and uh, I actually had a pretty good grasp of once this week with the tips. I ended up getting a, a perfect round on the podcast, but in our confidence, I didn't. I took a few risks. Perfect but round? What did I get? You got five. Five. There you go. Keefe, having a bad time this year. Old gossip out there. You got four. Mm. Uh, the totals as they sit now, I'm on 25, you're on 22, he's on 17. But like I said, uh, for anyone out there, I don't know if we've talked about it before, but confidence tipping that you've got us into the last couple of years. So instead of just tipping like we do on the show, uh, you know, a point for each one, we tip eight to one in denominal value, basically, on who we think is the most likely to win, least likely to win. So that logic, I struggled with a few of them, to be honest, to tip it. Yeah. On here, it's obviously a lot easier because it's just a point at a time. But, uh, yeah, to get a perfect round after the chaos it's been so far, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I finally right. won a bet. I finally won a bet. Well, there you go. On my own bets. So I had a, a couple well, of league multi. If you didn't win, then you'd... Yeah, well, yourself, you got a perfect round. You couldn't the, win a bet. Off the tips, yeah. I think I had the uh, the Panthers. I had the Warriors. I had the Cowboy. Oh, not the Cowboys. Sorry, I'm bloody confused who I had now. The Dragons, and I think I took the Tigers with a start and they ended up winning. So, yeah, not a bad four legger there. But crazy round as it is, we'll jump in as we always do with our set of six and probably tackle one for this one. One that people have seen plenty about: Wayne Bennett versus Nathan Brown. And uh, obviously, this situation got a little bit uglier. After the game, Wayne Bennett, I must say, in the first place, I didn't agree with his comments. I thought they were out of line considering there's quotes from him when he left Newcastle, basically saying that he's getting out before he sacked himself and it wasn't a great situation and he, you know, was moving on. Everybody knows as much as he says that, uh, well, his comments this week, the complete opposite way, sorry, saying that Nathan Brown's unbuilt the club and all this kind of bullshit considering the fact that he left him with a dumpster fire, back-ended contracts, old players that were well past it. Brown's done a great job to clean the mess up. Uh, obviously, he was pretty coy during the week and uh, didn't bite. But after the game, uh, he was a bit fired up after some more comments from Wayne Bennett. And obviously, things got a little bit personal when he said that Wayne shouldn't think with uh, his little head. And if he didn't do so, that he wouldn't have been in the situation he was. Referring yeah. to the more personal side of things because obviously, he met his new partner while he was at Newcastle. So. You know, some people are saying... Is that what you reckon it was referring to? It was. Okay. Thinking with his little head instead of his big head, he wouldn't have left him in such a mess. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people were getting at. He met uh, his partner now. Okay. Yeah, I didn't Newcastle. take that out of it. I, I took that he was saying that it was his ego. There's a lot of ego and, you know, that he brought a lot of people in trying to win a comp and he was just trying to, uh, I guess, coach up to his ego. But it does make sense because, yeah, he, he did take off on his wife. But I... I don't know. For me, it's it's good. It's good. It creates conversation, but um, 
Wayne, Wayne shouldn't have said anything to start with. Like he he didn't leave Newcastle in a better spot than what they were when he when he got there. There's no argument about that, and he'd admit that. So I, I certainly don't think that he should be throwing barbs at Nathan Brown, who I think's done a pretty good job rebuilding the joint. He's done an outstanding job, mm. and I think this Sorry. is all just all a bit sideways. But this more leads to I, I think Wayne Bennett now. I don't know why all of a sudden after the 30 years or however long it's been, he's the last few years he's been awfully chatty. And he constantly seems to have an issue with the media, issue with other people. Plot like he's just well because his side isn't playing well. In, in That's his, what it is. In, in the back end of uh, his time coaching, and even last year when they made the fight, like he's just he's awfully chatty these days. And yeah. I honestly think it's kind of not taken the gloss off things. But my thoughts on him have certainly changed probably in the last eighteen months since he's got a bit chatty. Nathan Brown, do I think he overstepped the the mark with getting personal in that sense? Yes. Uh, did he have a right? I think though to be offended by what. Wayne Bennett said 100%. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he should have taken that road. A lot of people have said, obviously, you know, when emotions get the best year, things come out in the wrong context. He's apparently called him today. He's apologised. Wayne's apparently furious, going on about he reckons he's helped him out with some due diligence on a player that he signed before the season, etc. But at the same time, don't throw shade. Yeah. You left the club in a worse state. Everybody knows that. He was left with a shit fight. He got rid of juniors to fast track some old blokes to try to win a comp straight away. He failed. Yeah, that's right. He basically admitted the failure when he left. So why three years later now? Is he th- I don't understand the barbs that he's been throwing. So this whole thing exploded over the weekend. But uh, at least we've got another rivalry, I guess, there to keep our eyes on moving forward. So, um, yeah. Second one here that I've got is obviously the Melbourne Storm. Uh, a bit hit and miss to start the season there. Brody Croft moving in. Everyone's asking, where's that form going from the few games we saw last year? The World Club Challenge. Well, anyone referring to the World Club Challenge as a gauge for playing in their L, I'm sorry. Um, you disagree with me sometimes on this, but I still don't think the Super League's up to the standard of the NRL. I didn't take a whole lot out of that game. I don't think that's your, your benchmark because you don't beat teams by 40 or 30 points every week in the NRL. Well, it doesn't matter who they're playing that early in the year. It's still a trial game. Yeah, um, but there was murmurs and it's obviously became... It's, it's, no, like, it's clear that the Super League isn't up to the same standard Yeah, across the board, but I do think there's sides there that could compete in the NRL. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold. I think St Helens just, at the moment. People are reading they're into wiping that. the floor. You got Cass last year who wiped the floor. I think the t- the top four sides in the Super League could come out here and compete with our bottom four sides. Definitely. Yeah, what I'm more I'm getting is people read into that that that's you know that's what's going to happen every week with Croft playing because like, he played so well in the World Club Challenge. The World Club Challenge, like honestly, did he play that well? He did play well. Mm-hmm. Scored a try, set a couple yeah, up, ran, but- engaged, but. More what I'm saying, they had an ordinary forward pack, especially. The front row was terrible. They dominated that side. He did play well, but... The How moment... old is he? Huh? How old is he? He's 20. There you go. Yeah, and I'm with you 100%. But the murmurs more for me, that, or more worrying, that are senior players aren't meshing with him more on a personal level, not so just his on-field side of things. Well, and they did last year. This week, suddenly he's been dropped. They've moved on to Riley Jacks. They obviously feel like he gives him a better chance to win right now, but... I think he's definitely got the ability. I think he's got to learn, which is, you know, I know, Brian, you're coming into first grade, you're replacing somebody of the standard of Cooper Cronk, who's played with the two guys for 300-something games. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, Does plus, he need plus to... he's played with them at Australia, Queensland. Yeah. Like the, yeah, you, it's always going to be a hard spot to be in. Does he need to develop patience? Yes. Has he overplayed his hand the first few weeks? Yes. Do I feel that they've gone away from him? We said that when we watched him in the Sharks game. Smith looked... Well, that's not even a that's not even an opinion. That's it's clear that they it's clear that they've him. gone away from him. But I am more sitting here now wondering: Are they jumping off board, putting him down there to build up some more confidence again in Cup, where he played really, really well last year? Uh, is this getting off board for the, uh, because of the murmurs about the personal side of things, and he's rubbed a few of the senior players the wrong way? I'm not too sure, but that's a little bit concerning for me so early on. 
to have senior players, if that's the inklings that they're getting, that aren't really a big fan of him personally. Mm. So uh, I don't know if it's an ego thing or what it is or just the way he carries himself. I don't know what it is, but that's the inklings or the murmurs that are coming out, not just the on-field stuff, that there may be some senior players that aren't as big a fan of Brody Croft personally. So mm. um, interesting times. Space. You know Jax is steady, but I'd be keeping my eyes on Melbourne moving forward. If they lose with Jax or things are still a bit, you know, 50-50 there to see how long it takes Croft to get back in if he does get back in. Mm. Uh, and on that, I suppose, congratulations to Melbourne on the weekend. Craig Bellamy, highest winning percentage of any coach right now, coached his 400th game. And Ivan Cleary, scalping him twice this year in milestone games, taking Craig Bellamy in his 400th, Ryan Hoffman's 250th on the weekend, and Billy Slater's 300th. Massive for the Tigers. That's huge. Huge. Two scalps against Melbourne, uh, both away from home, one in New Zealand, one in Melbourne. Uh, massive. There's no other way to put it. No, absolutely huge. Outstanding football. Tackle three. Uh, Brandy on the weekend, I'm pretty sure you would have seen Super Saturday, had some uh, comments and the word or the inside word we've kind of been getting or hearing is that the Fox Sports commentators have been finally told to stop being so matey-matey. They're getting paid for an opinion and they're getting paid well uh, to come out and actually speak their mind. And Brandy did that on two occasions. The first time was after Thurston played, saying that he doesn't quite look the same player and he's a bit behind the pace, etc. And of course, Cooper Cronk. Corey Parker, the two Queenslanders on the panel, jumped up in awe and were backpedalling and didn't want to bar of it. And then the second one, and I thought he was completely and totally spot on with this one, was Sam Thiday saying that they didn't come out to win this weekend, the Broncos. They just come out to do a bit better. But Wayne Bennett sort of said sort of the same thing. It's a ridiculous thing it's to say. Bullshit. It's bullshit. You're playing in the NRL. You're, it's your profession. You live and die by your wins and your losses. Yeah, like, that's simple. the most stupid comment I've ever heard on that side. So... Brandy saying it was cod swallop, I completely agree. Yep. And just deflecting and the bullshit games that we're talking about that Wayne's playing, they're all playing with the media. Uh, the Brandy thing with JT, I don't know why they they took it so personally. Cronk, Park, everyone's like, whoa, 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 you can't say something like that. Well, let's But look. what did he say? He, he didn't actually say that he's played a year too long. He said he looks yeah. like a player yeah. that's played a, may have played a year too long. And he does. He does. He's Is anyone down. watching him? But what I'm getting at, like, put the facts in front of you. It's not to say that he doesn't find some form, but that's what he's getting at. He's fresh back. He's had a lot of shoulder surgeries early on. He's played a hell of a lot of rep football, club football, like almost 350 combined games. He's had another surgery the last few years, uh, you know, as well. He's obviously had his bumps and his licks and his bruises all the way through. At some point, you do lose a step of pace. You aren't the same player. And I said that the other week. That To me, it looked like, you know, he's still trying to run and try to orchestrate everything, and he's had the most touches in the competition, whereas I feel Morgan being so dominant last year needed at least even share of the football, if not more than Jonathan Thurston. And he's come back, and I'm pretty sure I saw he's it before. Not fit, is he? If he's not as fit as he could be either. No, I know that, but he's still not getting anywhere near the amount of touches. The only person with less touches, and it's by like half a point, is Mitchell Pearce right now in the competition for halves as far as possessions per game. Mm. So JT is still trying to be that guy. He isn't that guy anymore. He shouldn't be touching the ball 60 times oh, a game. I think, I think he, he's going to be that guy again, but at the moment he's clearly not fit. I know he's not fit, but I still don't think he can run and dictate things the same way he does. And when you've got a guy like Morgan there who was so well, dominant back in the last year... He hasn't come back from his injury very well, has he? Like, neither has Morgan. And Morgan also had the the World Cup as well, didn't he? So, interesting. Yeah, but balance. Where's the balance? Like, well, you can, how do you have balance when you've got two halves that are both injured or coming back from injury? Like, yeah. they're just... They've got Matt Scott, who looks a step behind what he was as well. They'll come good, the Cowboys, but it may be uh, maybe too late because to me they they look. I'm not sure whether they'll be playing their best football in a month. 
because no. they're certainly well below what they we expect of them. And people are saying, oh, you know, it's been a long three years and it's hard to sustain sustain success, but that's bullshit because Melbourne have done it for 15 years. Yeah. So it's it's just a difficult one. They've they've all they've got key players coming back from big injuries. They've only had um, you know they've got Lachlan Coot that's had injury concerns as well. It's you know we know how important your key players are, key position players, and they've got injuries across all of them apart from their nine position. Well, I think the bigger concern on that is their forward pack that was we all spoke about so highly have been ordinary. They haven't laid a platform. They're not getting quick play the balls. There's no second phase. They're not breaking teams down at all. And then the Cowboys on the back of that, especially since Thurston's been back in, I think have played way too structured. Mm. It's just all telegraph bullshit. So they, I think it all starts in the middle, obviously, but I think he still needs to cut Morgan back into things a little bit. Yeah, he had that minor injury the first few weeks and missed out with a groin strain or whatever it was, but he needs to get his hands on the football more. Yeah, You can't be having one bloke back from a shoulder reconstruction, age 35, trying to run the whole shop and have the most touches when you've got a guy on the other side of the field who just got paid a million dollars and upgraded like, Injury or not, he needs to get his hands on the football. They need to find some balance. But more importantly, I think their forward pack needs to do a much the better whole, job. The whole team looks clunky. Yeah. Tackle four, just a quick one, is the wacky wingers from the weekend. Uh, they're very, very important these days. I've said it before, but I think the centre position may have become one of the least valuable out of all wingers now, yardage carries, etc. all these bits and pieces. But every so often, they just have a couple of those moments, don't they? And Sean Kenny Dow He's just highlighted that on the weekend. First, it was the drop cold that he didn't jump on the loose ball and Brisbane picked it up and could have scored right then and there. Then the dropout, he decided to do the YMCA instead of catching the football and drop that one. Yeah, that O'Carr, the poor bugger, who's been trying his heart out the first few rounds, who threw that hand grenade back in for a ball that he didn't need to touch because it wasn't a 40-20. And then Josh Mansour on Sunday fell asleep and they kicked a 40-20 in behind when he wasn't there mm. to cover up. So the poor old wingers. It's not an easy easy position to play. Oh, definitely Positionally, not. Positionally, it's you got to learn... And do a lot of study on who you're playing, where they kick, whether they like to kick early, kick late, what foot. You know, particularly when you're playing against teams that have got a left and a right foot kicker, it means that they're a threat all the way across the field in terms of position with your back three and where they're going to kick the ball. So it, it does make it difficult, but yeah, they, a few of them have been made to look out, look a little bit silly. Yeah, not a great weekend for the winger community in the NRL. And tackle five, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I have to bring it up again. I post on the page as a poll had about 2,500, 3,000 votes. Warriors versus Dragons, if they played today... Why aren't they playing two weeks? At a neutral venue. They're playing at New Zealand mm. in not this week, the week after. So it's very, very close. But looking at that before it comes, if it was a neutral venue, from what you're seeing here, spine, back five, forward pack, bench. If you're breaking it down in that sense, who do you think has the better spine? I think If the... you're picking one, who would you take? Dragons? I'd, I'd take Warriors. The Warriors. I would as well, and I think that comes more from I like the halves better of the Dragons, but the fullback nine pushed me over the edge, and I know I'm going to get enough out of those other two players that we're talking about. Even though I like Whitop and Hunt, I'll take Green and Johnson if that means I get Sheck and Luke over the top of, obviously, Dufty and McInnes. Back five, who do you like? So you've got Nene McDonald, uh, Lafayette, like, Nightingale, you get like Molo, Fushitua. So, again, I'm with you there. Those two wingers, to me, have been two of the best in yardage. Kartar's so powerful for the football. And Peter Hiku is the football that we saw in the under-20s, coming to Manly, play multiple positions for the New Zealand international side. He's back to form as well. Mm. Um, so right now, that's two areas you'd say are better. The forward pack. Now, this one, I suppose, dragons. is Dragons. And again, it's I think that one decides <laughs> itself. DeBellin, 
Frizzell, Vaughan alone, Sims being back to the sort of form they had him talked about playing rep football in the back row. Uh, James Graham, they're helping out leading from the front. I think the Warriors forward pack has been awesome as well. But there's a couple of guys there, Pulu, etc. Ignatius Parsi starting the weekend, who haven't been doing it for as long as, and as consistently for me to rely on them in that situation. Mm. And then the next one, and to be honest, I don't think this is a contest and why I definitely tip the Warriors, the bench. You're talking Leilua, who's played minimal minutes, Lattimore, Saleh, a couple of these guys. And then you're talking about the Warriors, who I had questions over those bench forwards. Two in particular, Sam Lasone and Bunty Afar, have been absolutely outstanding at changing the tempo when they've come to the game. Jazz Tavunga, who's generally been a nine but can also play tight, comes on. He brings another, another dynamic. He's just always around the football, defending, looking for offloads. It's, yeah, I, I, I pick their bench any day over the Dragons. So that's three areas there for me yeah. that I'd take the Warriors. And if they were playing right now, I, I honestly, I think I would tip the Warriors. Yeah, I would too. They're playing some great football. That's not taken away from the Dragons, but eyes out Luke being back to the way he is. And we've said it a couple of years ago, how important the bench has become now. I did not expect this, especially from the Warriors bench. Whereas the Dragons, it's not a knock on them, but I said at the start of the year, that starting 13 is outstanding. But the minimal minutes for Lattimore, minimal minutes for Leilua, they're using extra changes, obviously, with those back rowers in Frizzell, DeBellin and Vaughan, getting those guys on and off extra time or extra minutes. So uh, I really like the way the Warriors are playing so far. And the last one we got here, a lot of talk, tackle six, New South Wales hooker. We said before, we don't like talking about Origin too much until it gets closer, but this one is really heated up. Nathan Peets, I thought, had his best game on the weekend. One of the first times I've actually seen him get out and probe. He played some short sides. He even kicked. Um, is he the incumbent? Is McInnes the man to take the job? Or everybody now seems to be getting on Coruscant, saying that if Jake Jaborovic is in, and Tom Jaborovic in particular, that they're better off going with Appy Coruscant. No, I'll be going with McInnes. Yep. That's yeah, simple, simple, simple as that. Yeah, I, I don't understand the correlation between a fullback and a hooker. Where, when does a fullback, uh, when does a hooker ever pass to a fullback? No, they I can't. think it's more important with your halves, yeah, yeah, for your fullback combination. But for a nine to a one, I don't think there's a lot of linking up that, that goes with that. So. Well, I thought there was a bit of a reach today because they're saying he'll push around him when he runs in the ruck and tries to get offloads. But Origin's not like club football. You don't want Api Coruscant jumping out nine, ten times a game in Origin. You're not going to get the play the balls that you get at club football. It's going to be uglier. It's going to be a lot more physical. The line speed's going to be bigger. And on top of that, I'm not knocking the bloke. He's outstanding in attack, but in defense sometimes. He gives his all, but he is a smaller fella. He can fall off tackles. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he has a massive miss rate, but I think if you look each week, he definitely does miss some tackles because he is smaller. McInnes on that front, I think, is an upgrade from Peets in the sense that, no, he's not an outstanding attacking weapon, but unlike Peets, I think he's got a much better ability to engage the markers, take them out of the equation, and he will run every now and then, plus he's a defensive rock. Yeah. So for me right now, I'm still sticking with McInnes as well. But there's a massive push right now from a lot of angles coming for a bloke uh, like Api Coruscant. So, interesting one there moving forward. But now we go into our power rankings, Brock, and who have you got at number one? The Dragons. Well, I've decided to swap mine, even though they've been there. I've got the Warriors at one. Yeah, I've got the Warriors at two. So, And I've got the Dragons on the flip side, as we spoke about before, both They're outstanding both football sides and can't wait for them to play. Hopefully, both undefeated moving into next week at Mount Smart Stadium. Yeah. Number three, who have you got? The Roosters. you got the Roosters. Well, yeah. I've gone Penrith. I wasn't overly impressed on the weekend. It kind of bothered me that the only try they got came off a kick in behind with 12 men. Uh, I felt in the second half they almost tried to give that game away as well. So pretty disappointing effort, but I'll leave them there. Number four? Uh, the Tigers. Yeah, well, I've yep. got the Roosters at four. Um, good win, but it was kind of a weird one for me. They scored almost all their tries off kicks. 
bar one. And the Sharks made five line breaks, didn't have trouble getting inside the 20, but they just couldn't seem to do anything inside the 20, which is a problem, obviously. Uh, my five, I've got the Tigers. I've got the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I just wasn't overly impressed with their win on the weekend, but the key word in all of that is they're winning. Yeah. Got to find ways to win, different ways to win, and uh, they're certainly doing that. And Tigers, they've beat Melbourne twice. They've beat the Roosters. I thought they weren't robbed, but it was wrong the way the game ended in Golden Point, and they could possibly 5-0 and right now if yeah. that game was allowed to play out the way it should have been. So I'm super impressed by the Tigers. I really am. Uh, number six. Uh, the Storm. I've got the Storm. Still got the wait-and-see button on. I think Jacks definitely will bring more stability quickly, but long-term, does he have a higher ceiling? Then Croft, probably not. He's already 20, 27 years old. Uh, but obviously, they're pushing forward with him at this point in time. Yeah. And he's definitely a better defender. I'll give him that side of things. He's very, very good defensively as a half. Number seven. Uh, the Rabbitohs. All right. You've pushed the bunnies in. I've uh, I've kept the Sharks at seven. I'm still a little bit bothered by the constant changes every single week. And I keep saying this, until he gets stability in his spine... I don't think they can push moving forward. And this week, I think he's finally got it right. He's named Moylan at fullback, Holmes on the wing, Dugan in the centres, and Hodgkinson and Townsend in the halves, which is what I've wanted since day one. So I hope he sticks with this for a few weeks. Um, but you definitely need to settle on your spine eventually. You can't keep shuffling things every single week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number eight, your last one. Sharkies. You've gone the Sharkies? Yeah, Sharkies at eight. I found it hard again. I was looking at Newcastle or possibly South, but I've stuck with the Cowboys. Not the Titans, mate? Nah. I had them written down as well, but you know, you've know you got towed up by 50 one week, then you've knocked off Brisbane, then on the weekend again. They're running six, mate. I thought it was a good win, but... you know They're ahead of the storm after five rounds. That's all right, mate. That's fine. We'll play eventually. I'll, take I'll that. look that one, but I'm going to give the Cowboys my eighth spot purely out of faith this week that they're playing the Bulldogs at home. They have to win. Who are you giving? Cowboys? I'm holding on. Whoa. I'm holding on. And it's purely going off who's They're bad it? at football, mate. I know have they're bad at football, but like we said every week, this is a personal choice. If they don't win this week... They're in big trouble. And then you're going to go the other way on them. You're never going to put them back in again. Well, not until they start winning. Yeah. But I'm, I'm giving them one more week They're to try out. and hold their spot here. But South were very close to coming in. Uh, they've had some tough games. I think I left the Cowboys out last week as well. Flicked them. Well, fingers crossed we see something this week. Dirty nappies. There you go. There's our set of six. There is uh, our power rankings. We have to thank our sponsors. And the first of those being Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills. Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great grand final seats as you watch your team run around in the 2018 grand final. Contact the team at Penrith Solar on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Check out the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au, and they're also on Facebook. Thanks to Jake and the boys there. The Pean Bolt Master Boxhead was down there. Also got the office there at Castle Hill, one in Penrith. Not more than just nuts and bolts. They're your complete fastening system supply with their main offices at Penrith. The other one, obviously, like I said, out at Castle Hill. They cover a massive area. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. There's a lot more to Boltmaster, though, than just fasteners. You can find a range of industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides a total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all associated industry segments. So make sure you get in contact with them to sort out any needs you have 
within your trade, Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au and find them on Facebook. Poker Deluxe. If you're out there and you're looking for a fundraiser, look no further. www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. Footy season's about to start, and if you do want that fundraiser, like I said, look no further. 10 years experience working with sports clubs. Paul and Adam are very passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for local sports clubs. The fundraiser comes with a guaranteed profit of $1,000. They provide all the equipment, hosts to run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on a committee or involved with a footy club and you want to chat to the boys to find out how they can get you that $1,000 profit guarantee, speak to the boys at Poker Deluxe. They have raised over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia. So when you're thinking of a fundraiser, look no further than pokerdeluxe.com.au. And the last sponsor, the Pro Sports Syndicate, obviously on board for our betting and tips segment, Boxhead. Uh, their offer still stands, and we post that link up every single week for everyone out there. If you're a, a punter or a serious punter, you want some professional tips, these guys do it for a living. They are full-time gamblers. They analyze all different sports. The NFL season just gone. They had a profit margin of 27%. They do well on the horses, all sorts of business. But for the NRL, $99 for your first month with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, if the tips do not return a percentage of profit, you get the next month for free. So you can... Try that anytime. There's no locking contracts. You can see if you like the experience. I can tell you right now, the boys there are very, very good at the Pro Sports Syndicate. So thanks to Matt and the boys there. And uh, we'll give them a bit more of a plug later on when we do our betting and tip segment. But into the reviews of the games from the weekend, Box said Canberra versus the Dogs. And it was just the opposite, basically, of what we've seen from Canberra so far this year. They'll probably throw more hurdles than they had in any other games. Losing players. Less possession. Uh, they made more errors, gave away more penalties. Interesting. Missed more tackles, so and still came up with a win. And the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs had, I think, fifty-five percent possession or around that, and had more opportunities. And just their attacks awful. Their attacks awful. But I think the biggest issue, and we've said this a million times before, they don't have anyone dynamic in their forward pack. Like Aaron Woods, we've said it a million times before. No leg speed, no bump, no drive. The only thing he can do is when he stands there after lumbering the line, is generally to get his arm free. And he does that well at times, but he creates no quick play the ball speed. He doesn't draw blokes in. And in tackles, I'm sorry, but some weeks it says 35, 40 tackles. Half the time he's third man in, he's flopping it. Like, he's not cracking he's blokes one-on-one. On one. Like, the numbers are fraud. They're fraud numbers. And if he's picked for New South Wales, to be honest, that's enough to swing me in Queensland's way, regardless of some of the form of their players. If he's playing for New South Wales, I'm not here. David Clemmer will cop to an extent because at least he carries with intent all the time. He tries to get blokes in defence. No, he hasn't added offloads or many other bits and pieces to his game that I think he should have by now, but I can't question his effort. But uh, honestly, if that's the Australian front row, the best two front rows supposedly we've got in Australia, I'm not here. That's ridiculous. Um, They're rubbish. Canberra, like I said, it was the opposite for them as usual. They were tough. They were committed. I thought they showed early on what they were willing to do when Kotrick drifted across that in-goal area there and threw that pass risky from his own uh, dead ball line to Rapana, and they went down the other end of the field and scored straight away. Leilua has been napping, played a game here or there over the past 18 months. I thought he was absolutely outstanding the other night as well. But that's the thing. It's consistency for Canberra. Exactly. But adversity, they faced more the other night, I thought, than any other game, and they finally responded. They mm-hmm. lost basically their whole bench. They had to reshuffle their side. Oldfield went off. Hingano was knocked out. Williams was left later in the game. And then even Caesar left at the back end. They literally didn't have a bench left. So you had White and slot in at the centres, and then he ended up playing. Sorry, Whitehead play in the centres. Then he was playing at 5'8". 
Um, but it was finally good to see them show some commitment. And the other thing we've talked about the whole time, defensive attitude. They were very physical. They were up. They defended their line. All the bits and pieces we've been asking for, we finally saw something from Canberra. Yeah. Um, and I stick by what I've said previous times before, that Kotrick should be playing fullback. I don't know what's going to happen with Jack, but I honestly think he's better at centre. He's great defensively. He doesn't have enough ability for me to play at the back. And Jared Croker all along defensively, I think he's too poor to be a centre. I think the wing suits him. Yeah. And he played quite well when he got pushed out the other night. This week, they've already put Kotrick back to the wing. Whiten's been named at fullback. I think he's got his court date this week. I don't know when that's all going to be sorted. But um, I honestly think that kind of... It's only one game, but I got the little glimpse of what I've kind of always thought. And I'd, I'd stick with Kotrick at fullback moving forward. Mm. But that's yeah, just my I, opinion. I, yeah, I don't disagree. I, I also thought um, Oldfield did a good job as well. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a solid player. Um, that was probably the best lineup that I've uh, I've seen Canberra run out with, and I'm not sure you. We sort of texted back and forth about it that Jared Croker doesn't look like the odd man out, but I always thought he was a winger just because yeah, so to me does... he doesn't defend well enough at centre. I think Whiten is a sledgehammer. People have seen some of the shots he puts on. I think that's his best spot. So can who's a better winger, Croker or Oldfield? Croker. Croker's mm. your goal kicker. Croker's your captain. He's not leaving that side. Mm. Uh, so there you go. So, but I just don't think do you he's shuffle willing, the side that way. Then I don't think he's willing to make that change. I think he still sees himself as a centre, but I think he's way too poor there. And I know Jack will pull the trigger. Mm. Even if they play slide, he's just one of those guys where his natural instincts kick in. People have seen it. It was a couple of years ago since he's played there. But when he plays centre, he shuts things down and he sticks. And I think that could help that edge a lot. And I think Kotrick, you just want his hands on the football. He's a beast. Yeah. He does well in yardage, but playing from the back, he's come all the way through the juniors as a fullback. Much like Jack, I don't think the ball playing's quite there yet, but I think that's something they can develop. For Jack, it's just never quite kicked on from a guy who, as a junior, they tried to play him as a six, but he struggled there. He's more a ball runner than he's a ball player. Yeah. But defensively, I honestly think that's the best thing they could do right now for their side and to fit everyone in. But um, I think a lot comes down in the end of the result of this court case, whenever that may be. Mm-hmm. But he's back at fullback this week. Aiden Caesar, when he's in complete control, looked like the Aiden Caesar we saw at the Titans. He took control. Yeah, for he, one game. He had the ball on a string. I get that. But he needs to now move forward. And even if Austin is back in this week for Williams, he needs to be in control. Yeah, he I needs to see finally him. say, this oh, is my team. I'm steering the I ship. I want to see him do it for a month. I'm not going to... I'm with carried you. away with that one performance. And yep. for me, I, I, the Bulldogs are a really poor side. Moses and Bayer is their best player by country mile. Josh Jackson is all effort, but he look, even he looks frustrated. And you saw the end of the game with that dog shot. Mm. And I still think Kieran Foran is playing well, considering what he's working with. But that forward pack needs to get much better, in particular the front row. Yep. If that's the Australian front row, like I said, that's just that's not good enough. It really isn't good enough. I agree. Um, but yeah, Canberra, they've got some life into their season. Bit of a hard start there. They play the Eels this week. They'll be definitely looking to make it two in a row. The Eels, on the other hand, they'll be desperate to get a win because their season's basically on the line right now. Yeah. If they're 0-6, 18 games left, you're saying you need 12, you've got to win two of every three. Um, it's a big ask. Roosters, Cronulla, weird game for me. Very Similar weird game, game because, again, the possession rate. Cronulla had 56% of the ball and got beat by 18 points. They just, again, very similar to Canberra. Oh, sorry. The dogs, they couldn't get over the line. They had plenty of opportunities. Well, they what, played from corner post to corner post too much for me. What really got me is watching this, everything seemed to come off kicks and they didn't really generate anything until that fourth try where Tedesco cut inside Hodkinson, who they looked to isolate all night, which is a smart idea. The bloke, as we all know, is playing on a bold knee. His lateral movement isn't great, but they finally isolated him. On the other hand, you got the Sharks who rolled up field. They created line breaks, four or five from memory, a lot more than the Roosters did, but inside 20... 
just had no idea. It was just a double block one side of the field, double block the other side of the field. No one was willing to push in any holes. Everything started off sideways. Moylan threw one pass that was a bit of a specky, and it was basically Holmes' fantastic hands that turned it into a try-scoring opportunity. But other than that, they were good the first 80 metres of the field, but inside 20, and like I said, with the instability in the spine, they need to settle on something very, very soon. And they need to get back to playing a bit more direct, getting into holes because they looked like they had no answer inside 20 to find points. They were, well, they they were quite poor. Played side to side. And um, they got frustrated and it was a hard one to watch. It was a hard game to watch. I think the Roosters, on the other hand, I have to commend their pack. I thought they were much better. I think Boyd Corners had a poor start of the year. I thought he was outstanding the other night. Had a mm. really good game of football. Tokiaho is a weapon. He really is. I think uh, Robinson's done an okay job as well in my eyes to kind of poke and prod maybe a little bit at those two front rowers that were underperforming in Napa and Rhea Hargraves. I think Rhea Hargraves has responded, being put on the bench quite well as well. And just as we've said before, timing will come with those halves. I still think they haven't linked together very well, but the one who's struggling the most, as we've said a million times, is Tedesco. Mm. He's not used to that structure. Um, He hasn't been in a big structure. He's been relied on so heavily. He's very, very ad-lib, broken play, plays off the back of things. He's still learning. That try that he scored when they did set it up with Kiri because he's just so good at drawing numbers in and taking time and space away was good. But as we've said with a lot of these teams that have had good spine, a big spine changes, and they have in particular, it's going to take time. So good win, really, when you go to Shark Park. Absolutely. Massive win. And only get 44% of the ball. Yeah. Please. Good effort by them. And again, I have to say that I think Jesse Raymond's going to be a great buy for Newcastle. Uh, he, really, he really enjoyed watching him play again the other night. So yeah. uh, a good win for the Roosters there. The Dragons South game. All three. I actually really enjoyed this one, but I couldn't believe how this one panned out. After the first half... Played with their food. So dominant. So dominant. They were rolling downfield. The repeat sets. The kicking game of Hunt and Whittock to put it in that no-man's land in between the dead ball line and the 10 just to trap the fullback or the wingers to the point where they couldn't get a seven-tackle set, couldn't move anywhere, and were just getting pinned down in their end. Uh, they gassed out their front rowers so badly that that interchanged one of the Burgess brothers. I think it may have been George after 13 minutes because mm. they just absolutely peppered them. But with 75% of the ball, they just didn't do enough with it inside 20. Uh, they were denied a few tries, I must admit. The obstru- In what, what half are we talking about? The first half. The obstruction try that was denied for Nene McDonald because Sims barely touched Adam Reynolds when he pulled up before the line. That's ridiculous. Mm. The inconsistency, again, with the obstruction call has yeah, got me done. that was a poor call. That's a try. Mm. And uh, to go in at halftime at 8-2 is a wrap on South Sydney because they were absolutely just bunkered down in their own end that whole half. They had to absolutely slug it away, try and ruck the ball out, defend their line. Yes, like I said, there was a few tries disallowed, but they would have been absolutely thrilled, as would have coached Seabold at halftime, to only be down 8-2. Absolutely. And the yeah. second half, it was the exact same thing again. The possession just flipped the other way. Swung the other way. Yeah. South had plenty of ball. Yeah, they struggled to score points. 50-50. Yeah. Run metres were similar. Kick metres were similar. It was a pretty even game. The one the one stat that stood out to me was the line breaks. South had more four line breaks to St. George's one. They just couldn't finish it off. And I was going to credit that to the man that no one's really mentioned for that nine jersey. And I know it's very early Damian days, Cook. but Damien Cook is an absolute weapon out of dummy half. And again, you want to talk about speed to burn or create. And as soon as he gets a quick play of the ball, he was out. He was responsible for two or three of those line breaks. Mm. He's a very dangerous player. Error, like errors and penalties and things were pretty similar. Like it was a very, very even game across the board, but... Like you said, it was just a game of two halves. Um, and it looked, you know, with five to go, I would have had my house on. The Rabbitohs coming over the top of them and winning. And it was just two Cody Walker errors that 
killed them. Obviously, the first one was the the killer. Well, they dis- had they had him on the rack there. Disappointment because he's the one who found the try and yeah. he's such an instinctive player. Oh, you're not going to shoot him for that. No, no, great footballer, but um, at the end it's of the just day, a key error. That's all. This is one of those ones where we look at it and we talk about it again. If you're one of the better sides, you need to find different ways to win. They've won big. They've blown out the Titans, your mob. They've blown out the Broncos. They had a tough win against the Sharks where they gritted it the whole way through. And in this game, when possession swung on them and they didn't capitalize early, they still found a way to win. So that's probably the impressive thing about the Dragons. And, uh, you know, that forward pack again, the halves, the back five, there's not much you can't say about them. They're a very good football side. They're a good team. Uh, on the side of South, Cook, Murray, I'm still enthralled with most weeks. I thought Walker was okay. They definitely missed Sam, but I think they all took some ownership and they dug in, which was nice to see. Yeah. I thought Crichton had one of his better games as well, but... At the end of the day, for all these games that they've played in, I think there's been a hell of a lot of effort, but not a lot of reward just yet. You know, that Penrith game was devastating. They probably should have won that one because they led. You've got the Warriors one where, even though they were beaten convincingly, that call on half time, they're no try, which led to a try at the other end. That was a 12-point swing, which turned into a pretty bad result for them. Um, I, I just think that Seattle have still got room to improve, obviously, and I think they've been competitive in every single game so far. Yeah. So I'm still impressed, but good win by the Dragons there. Tigers-Melbourne... Honestly, the Tigers are outstanding. Ivan Cleary, hats off to you, hats off to all of these players. But the first half was really frustrating for me. There was a lot of errors uh, rained over there beforehand. Both teams tried to push things. Tigers just tried to push things. They just tried to play football. That's their natural thing. Uh, big ups to them to stick into their plan. But it was a bit of a grind and they had chances inside 20, but neither could really find anything. It almost took 30 minutes to find some points on the Storm side of things. And it's resulted in him obviously being dropping this week. Brody Croft's just frustrating me on a personal level because he just continues to force his hand. He loves that lead runner. Every time they rushed up on him, and it's been the common thing the last few weeks, he hasn't adjusted at all. He hasn't dropped someone back under against the grain. He hasn't picked more depth. He hasn't really ran the footy. He's just really persisted at playing flat, fast, in the line. He jammed Felice a few times. He's missed a couple of games so far. He just wouldn't die on a play. He really, if, Even if he thought he was under pressure, he just seems to force it. Um, and it's really, really hurt Melbourne the first few weeks. He's been responsible for plenty of errors. They've been poor across the board as far as errors are concerned, but to be completing at 65%, it's not really Melbourne-like. Let's put it that way. No, it's not. No way in the world. So Melbourne just turning over too much ball, and Cameron Smith said that in the press conference as well. Like, And they've now lost two really big milestone games, as you mentioned, in our set of six, to the Tigers. Um, the Tigers have won both of them away from home. Um, their middle also ran all over Melbourne's middle. So. Yeah. That also comes with possession. Like the more possession you have, the more fatigued obviously the team is that has less possession. So naturally they've got more ball, they're gonna run for more meters, but the only they're middle, also fatiguing. The only middle who stood up to me was Jesse Bromwich. I thought he was outstanding. 19, 19 errors from Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a characteristic you associate with the storm, that's for sure. But yeah, the attack from both, as I said in the first half, was uh, a bit awkward inside the twenty. Both their tries came off basically brain snaps by both teams. Addo Carr, not a 40-20. The ball was going out for some reason. He threw that hand grenade back in. LIA gets on that one after Masters comes up the cracker offload. And straight after that, the Tigers kick the ball out in the full. Then Godno throws a forward pass to give Melbourne an opportunity just before halftime. And Munster puts a kick on the money for Billy Slater. So Melbourne going at 8-4. Honestly, uh, you know, after I think being the side that was probably poorer in the first half. So I was quite surprised by that. But second half, they both settled down a little bit. Melbourne still struggled with their completion rate, but it was very end-to-end. It was a much better game to watch. There was lots of try-scoring opportunities. Benji had his chance and got pulled down. Curtis Scott almost crashed over on the last tackle. Ryan Hoffman 
hit that hole off Munster on the last tackle, and he also ended up getting caught for the forward pass, which was blatant. Luke Brooks poured through a gap there, couldn't find anybody, so they were going after one another. But obviously, after all that craziness, Brody Croft, 45 out, tries to knock a field goal over. Tui Lola here. Seven tackles set. Massive play to get his foot back and get that seven tackles set. And straight down the other end, it's on Benji's side of the field. As he said, they're a left foot, right foot combination. They've set up both sides, knocks it over, and that's the day for Melbourne. Done again in a, a very close one with the Tigers. And two wins, if you were to say at the start of the season that the Tigers were going to beat them twice... I would have given myself a triple. Oh, I, would, you I wouldn't would believe got, you. You would have got 20 to 1, 30 got, to 1 on it. Oh, massive performance, but I honestly super impressed again by the Tigers. Luke Brooks, and I said it before, out of those two halves over the years, I feel he's a bit like Caesar. And again, it's hard to say because at that level, you should have a more dominant personality. But I feel that he's finally in control. He's got the right coach. It's his team. Benji's helping him out big time, but he is now able to play the way he was playing the first few games when he got in with that same amount of confidence. He's kicking games outstanding. He's running games back. He's been one of the form halves in the competition for me to start the season. He's been great. Mm. Um, the forwards, again, impressive. Packer, they've got a bit of worry about him. He had a bit of a dodgy knee at the end of the game, had to get strapped well, up. They that's not ideal. Might be an MCL, so could be some time there. Um, but, yeah, their back five are really good again as well. I thought Thompson was good again. Malachi was good helping out in the yardage in the wet conditions and Isan Masters. But the other guy who didn't get a start at the start of the year, but now he's playing off the bench for him, Josh Alloye. His stint in particular at the back end of the first half was epic mm. and backing up for that try off that offload. Some of the carries, there's some serious intent and I think he's trying to prove a point, but I thought he would have been close to someone starting in the back row or on the bench, but missed the first few games. But yeah, really good football, Alloye. But Melbourne, uh, like you said, pack needs to be better. Completions need to be better and clearly they're not happy with Croft, so... Jacks gets an opportunity this week. Yeah, I'm not sure. Croft has been a bit of a scapegoat for me. I, I think everyone's been poor. I'm with you. I think even the attack in general. 19 errors. Like, he's not responsible for all of them. No. Nah, so. He's forced some passes. I'll give it that. But I also don't think he's been given enough time. So, uh, obviously, they're looking for the more steady option. The guy who's played a bit of grade the last year or so in Jacks. We'll see how that works out in the next few weeks, I guess. Hmm. But a uh, great win by the Tigers. And they could easily be 5-0, if not for that golden point game. Warriors-Cowboys... For me, that scoreline of 22 to 12 is not a true reflection of the game. I thought they were more dominant. I thought they should have had more points. Um, I thought they were absolutely outstanding again. And the big thing, set starts. Set starts, their back five, 750 metres combined from the back five. The yeah. yardage from Marmolo, Carter, like Sheck had the least amount this week and he's been outstanding the first few weeks. But my God, there's no way you can kick. You just pick your poison. You've got Fussy Tour as all class. Marmola, who's a monster, he's finally cleaned up the errors. He had silly errors, drop balls, and the play the ball. Uh, the halves, and I, I, we love Paul Ken on this show, and he's someone we go with. But if I disagree with somebody on something, we're more than happy to say it. The call that they're better off without Sean Johnson, I disagree with massively. Mason Leno or Johnson, I know who I'm taking. On his best day, you can't tell me you don't want Sean Johnson in that side. Yeah, agree. And like everybody else, you've just got to find balance. Green's just got there. Luke's coming back to form. Sheck's come back to form. Does he have to pick his moments? Yes. Can he be a little bit erratic? Yes. But on the weekend, I saw a very, very good version of Sean Johnson. That ball in particular, he threw for Fussy Tour to score. The decoys on that and how far they dug in a line, that was quality. Mm. That was pin perfect. Um, goal yeah, they, kicking. They were, they were clearly better. Yeah. Clearly and better. I honestly feel it could have been more. more it points. Should, have been, should have been more, but 
you know, they're winning. In saying that, though, I the thought... The Cowboys are a pretty good side. The most impressive thing for me was their goal line defense. The Cowboys almost completed at 90%, 50-plus tackles inside 20, and the Warriors just refused to let them in. And the only two times they did score, I've got to give credit for the first one to Kyle Felt because he basically got to leave the field of play to get that little bit of space he needed to score. That That's just a quality finish. They just still defended that, that was, very well. Yeah. And the second one was just a momentary lapse when they finally threw in a point of difference besides a double block play with that wraparound to get that number for a second. But to defend 50-plus plays inside 20 and only concede two tries with a team that completed 90% is massive. Yeah. And that speaks again to the new Warriors, the fitter, stronger, more mentally focused Warriors. The little Zen thing they're doing at halfway clearly works for them as well, resetting uh, that they've picked off off the All Blacks and how they do that. They're all across the park. Like Pulu, if you would have told me he would be playing this well on the back row for the Warriors after what I'd seen from him at the Titans for you, mm. I'd say you're crazy. Parsi stints. Lasone and Afar off. They're right now, that's the best bench to me in the comp. Their bench lifts the level. They don't just come on and do a job or plug in. They lift the tempo for the Warriors. Isaac Luke, 130 metres, six offloads. Where's that been the last three years? It's... Yeah, it's, well, yeah, let's just... I'm, I'm, let's not go over there because we I'm, know you, you get hurt once you start to go one way with the Warriors and they they fool you. But I it looks do. at the moment, it's five, you know, five good performances... Um, they play the the Dragons next week, which is going to be a game of interest. Yeah, um, we've got time. the Broncos this week. That's a game that they should win. I'm calling thirteen plus. Well, it should be. I'm calling smash if up. they're fair income. It should be, and you know the Dragons play Cronulla, which will be a tough game. But hopefully, they're both um, undefeated going into that game. It'll be it'll yeah. make for a huge spectacle. Well, Cowboys definitely got some things to work on all across the park. I think their set starts they struggled there uh, in outside with their outside backs. Second phase is almost non-existent. They've got no quick play of the balls, and they're too structured. Yeah. Uh, I know Morgan's probably playing through that groin strain or whatever it is, so it's restricting me a little bit, but him and Thurston need to sort some stuff out, and he needs to get more ball. I know Thurston's a dominant player, but I think it'll be better off once they find a bit more balance, and he needs to tone it down a little bit, Ben, so early back. Um, I know he's got that strain, but realistically, Morgan's the best player in the comp almost last year on the run into the finals. Plays for Australia. Plays round one. I think he only misses a game or two, so I still don't think he should be playing this poorly. And if he's that badly hampered by it, he shouldn't be playing at all. Mm. You've got Tamara Martin, who he isn't Morgan, but he was still part of that combination that made it to the grand final. Play with a guy who's 100%, not 70, if that's where he's at, or he's not able to run, which is the best part of his game. Yeah. His speed is his most dangerous weapon to open up everything. His passing game, his kicking game, and his running game. But their forward pack, massive challenge out to them this week. They have to beat up on the Bulldogs. They've been poor so far, really poor. Agree. Tiger, oh, sorry, we've already done that one. Newcastle Broncos. This game, to me, is summed up by two moments from the Broncos, and in particular, back end of the game, about seven minutes to go, a front rower, Tavita Pengai Jr., has to put a chip kick in for James Roberts on second play and then about their 30-metre line. That sums up how poor Brisbane were for me in attack. Anthony Milford has been copping plenty. Um, I thought he was good individually on his own, and he was one of the only guys besides James Roberts who looked like he could create anything on his own. They don't have a genuine seven. Nick Arima's not a seven. He's a six as well, or a bench utility, or a fullback. You've got a bloke at fullback, Darius Boyd, who, don't get me wrong, is a fantastic footballer, but basically admitted the other week that he's borderline retiring if his hamstring goes. So he's almost a passenger out there on the field. Yeah. You've got a forward pack that's underwhelming. Um, I think Lodge and I oh, said this... Not playing well. ...said at the start of the year, the forward pack, to me, was too young. It's too much expectation that Lodge and these guys are going to lay a platform, uh, especially a guy who's not played grade for three years and played cup last year. Uh, it's all across the park, and even just their general attitude. I'm calling a reshuffle. He's saying it's not going to happen. 
he's almost hinting that this is the best 17 when the media was kind of kicking at him the other day and that he's not going to make any changes. I get that, but I think you can improve that 17 by a few simple moves. Maguire, to me, has to play front row. It's a non-negotiable. It's got to the point now he needs to be playing front row. Gillette's getting no football on the edge, and I still think his best position is playing in the middle around the football. Well, we've said that for the last so few weeks. I'd put him at 13. Whether you start with Lodge uh, in the front row with Maguire or... Yeah, you start with Lodge. Yeah, like it's... it's He's not He's not doing too much. No, right? or you got Pengai Jr. Do you want impact off your bench, though? If so, I'd bring on Pengai Jr. and offer Hengawi as a pair yeah. to change that starting pair you've got there. The back row is pretty straightforward. They've got all these massive wraps on Sua. We'll give him an edge. They talk about him all the time. They've debuted him at 18 in a starting position. You've got Glenn coming back this week. To me, that's what I play him edges. So there's a couple of things that need to happen. They definitely... And Bird, Bird's been awful. I know he's come off a shoulder reconstruction. He's underdone. But I don't know you can come back so out of shape. Surely you could be doing something. And I know, you, and you know from doing rehab when you are injured in the gym, treadmills, anything else but your arm to stay in some kind of nick. He's chubby. Shoulder. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't look in any great nick. And people are calling for him to move into the halves and push it's Milford a div- to seven. It's a difficult one because you can't run on a treadmill. You can't be on a bike because it'll. It, there is always movement in the shoulder joint. So it makes it hard, but... Someone should have been on to him about his diet and about his weight. That's like the, the less you're doing, the less you eat. Like it's simple as that. Yeah. So you know, it's someone someone at the at Brisbane in terms of nutrition and high performance, um, and their, you know, physical side of of things there at the club should have been all over that and he's come back in with a bit of a gut. But I even that, I, I don't think that's any excuse for the way that he's playing. No. He's not getting enough ball to he start looks with. Disinterested and flat to me. Yeah, and that was he's ru- just not getting a lot of lot of ball. And I don't think it's helping. And again, I don't like throwing petrol in the fire. That last year, the comments were he was regretting signing that contract, and he was having second thoughts about moving there. Uh, looking yeah, at, but- looking at him so far, it's only early days. But if he's still playing like this in a couple of weeks' time, and things are still going poorly, and his attitude's poor, it's going to be a pretty Sad indictment when you look at the situation and you've got a guy at nine hundred thousand dollars who's playing in the centres or eight hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it is. Mm. It's yeah, it's a waste of money. You should never, crazy. you should never be paying your centres that much. And Wayne, Wayne Bennett, game. yeah, I think he's made some strange decisions in the last couple of years. Jai Arrow, massive mistake. Saso, and that, that's what made oh. me scratch my head in, with his comments in the press conference. Well, they, these are the best players we've got at the club. So are you saying that you've cocked up by ma- meaning that this is, or are you? Passively blaming someone else, well, you're trying to be. I to don't. Out. I don't understand. I find it very hard to believe that he's not the one making the recruitment decisions. Who? So they they knew that Arrow was a good yeah, player. They, they should never have let Ben Hunt go. I said I was jumping up and down about it last year, and people were bagging the shit out of me for saying that he's oh, not worth one point three. But you. I wouldn't have paid him that. I don't think he's worth one point three. They, they didn't even come to the party. You though. know what? That's the problem. He's worth whatever someone's willing to pay him. Yeah. And the Dragons were willing to pay him. 1. What they paid or 1. and they're 1. on top of the table. Yeah, and he's playing good football. So, and you need a seven. Fuck yeah. me, Brisbane. And we've already said on the flip side of it, they needed to find a seven, and they said Nick Arima's out. And they put he's all their eggs in the basket, thinking they were going to get Ash Taylor, which was again, you, you're not, you don't have the pulling and the bargaining power that you once had. Right. And Wayne's still living in the nineties, it seems. The Cowboys are the top dog as far as Queensland clubs yeah, are concerned. So they're twelve hundred kilometers apart that. from each other. Like it's, but it's no longer. It's you want, that, if you're a Queenslander, you want to play from Brisbane. Yeah, but. You play from wherever you're... I tend to think that people want to play where they grow up or where they're developed. And it, well, to me, it not. just looks like that Brisbane aren't developing a lot either. Because most of them... That, even who have they developed system. through their 20s? In their t- Who in their t- has come through their 20s in the last couple of years? Well, they're all playing other clubs. Well, there you go. 
because they're leaving in their actual side. So why now. are they leaving? Well, well they, that's yeah, that, that's well, my point, this, mate. That's my is... point is, but then okay, so if they leave, you look at Penrith. You know, you have those guys leave, and there's guys pushing up under them. Yeah, but this where is... are the guys pushing up under them? My in Brisbane? thing here is what I'm getting at: the arrogance of Brisbane to say, "Oh, you it won't you won't leave the Broncos, or you won't do better than the so Broncos." So are we saying that? Are we saying that they've just gone out and put a focus on their first grade squad and winning a comp ASAP and not developed? No, that's what it looks like. They've developed, but it's arrogance to me that like... Well, if they've developed, where are they? Well, they've all left. Arrow no, but the kids... Okay, so that, that's bullshit. I'm talking about the kids that should be coming through now. Where are they? Well, the crop just left. They just lost three or four in the last couple of years. They've got a couple of guys playing up there. Payne Haas, one of the young front rowers. You've got Gemahat Shabasky, who's been in all the junior reps. So sides. why are they centre winger. Because they're playing cup, they're playing twenty still. Jerome Burns, Pat Carrigan, they've all there. That's the thing. My thing it, is, when, I, I disagree. I think they've, I think got, they've gone away from their development. Their development, I don't care what anyone says, it's not as strong as it used to be. Because it's not they, as strong. Had, it's not as strong. I'm agreeing with you there. What I'm saying to you is, they're arrogant to the fact they think they can underpay or underchop people like a Jai Arrow, who other clubs know was the best lock. Tight kind of edge. He played all those positions in the twenties. If he's yeah, the like best young guy in the market, underpay. You telling me that Brisbane are under the cap? No. So they're overpaying for players that are on their roster. That's the point. But I'm telling you, so if, it's the, if the Titans them. come in and offer three hundred fifty thousand or three hundred thousand for one of the best young forwards in the comp, and the Broncos are like, "No, nah, we're offering you the minimum wage." Where are you going? I think yeah, they're I, arrogant I to the fact of the I way they that. treat some of their. But what I'm saying is that club. if Joy Arrow's getting yay amount of money, if they're on the cap now, they can't afford him anyway. So who filled that money? Well, the point is, like people like, Jack Bird. Place, people like Jack Bird. People like Jack Bird. Like you go and you get rid of Hunt, and then you bring in Bird. Did and you need Bird? That you did. No, that's that's, well, that's the that's, fucking point I'm trying to make. Is that it's just stupid. You're putting money in the wrong positions. Yeah, but don't mistreat people that you do have there. I don't think it's mistreatment. Like, We've it's developed shit you. We're the Broncos. You'll stay for less. But we don't no. know. That's what the discussion is. It's just. Well, Obviously, they're years. valuing. They've got different values on different players. They don't. They didn't value what Ben Hunt gave, and they didn't value what. Um, Jai Arrow gave them, they value what they saw in Jack Bird. But what I we can both see that that's the wrong thing to have done. Opportunity also, and again in the arrogance for me, is two years of sitting there, barely getting time off the bench, 10, 15 minutes. You've never given him a chance to grow. He goes to the Titans, he's starting first preseason. On the weekend, best player on the field. Best player the last couple of weeks as far as I'm concerned. He yeah. wasn't given that chance. And there's almost yeah, to you me... You want to like, talk about players that have gone a year too long, like Sam Thido's probably gone two years too long. Well, and how much money is he chewing but up? That's, that, oh, he's on a small amount. The one that bothers me, and again, it's, this is why I'm sitting at Wayne just scratching Boyd. my head if he's in control. He's signed Boyd for a multiple-year deal, and he's coming out now saying he may not last if he does his hamstring Even again. Milford. So, Milford is a is a tremendous player. Don't is. get me wrong. But he needs okay? a seven. He needs a, a seven. Ford pack. So why would you spend all that money on a six that you know needs a seven like Hunt, but you let Hunt walk out the door when you don't have anyone like Hunt in your squad or in your system? And my problem, Stupid. again, is the talk is they basically didn't even sit down and talk. So it may have not... So they must have thought they were getting Ash Taylor 99% Well, they had to have, because if you're not even going to sit down at the table, I reckon they would have got him for less. And he's a Brisbane-born boy. He just wanted a decent pay packet. But basically, the talk was... They should have had Ash Taylor sign before they let Ben Hunt walk. That's good business. What they've done is bad business. And who's coming off contract this year in the halves? There's not many. There's basically no You're not going to have a Cronk no or a Taylor or, you know, yeah, or a Pierce or someone like that. There's a few clubs that are going to need one, but there's no or one a there green. who's going to change your club. No. Let's put it that way. Massively off the point, but we needed to get that ran out of the way, obviously. Newcastle, for me, very tradesman-like, very classy. The two best players. It was ugly. It was they... ugly, but they found a way to win, and they're young still. Yeah, I agree. And they're going to learn. But Callum Ponga, right now, 
hand on heart, if he doesn't get hurt, they're very, very happy with their investment, regardless of what anyone said right now. He's but outstanding. I was, I was at a mate's place on Saturday night, and he's sort of saying, oh, you know, we're talking about him as a player, I guess, and the salary that he's on. And my argument was, well, he's how much it. how much do you how much would you pay for the performances he's given you now? More than seven hundred. Well, there you go. To me, that's right up there. And what's going to happen at the moment is because Newcastle are below yeah. the cap, they're paying his deal off. Yeah. So and in three or four years' time, they're going to be able to go and buy someone else on top of him. Or, like I said, he's he is underpaid on his current performances. What he, he's delivering if for he them. plays like this and grows, which he will. Injury free and all things aside, but, but, is he, but that this is my argument. Yeah. Is he ever going to be? What's his strength? His strength is his speed and his agility. Is he ever going to be faster and ad, more agile than he is now? I think no, he, I think he is because he's still well, growing. The but, kid's nineteen. Yeah, okay. he hasn't even finished growing yet. He's going to get stronger. And the other thing you've taken out: agility, lateral movement. He, he is. That's what I just said. His speed and agility. He are they a, ever going to be as good as what they are now? I, I think if if they are, that's scary. But they're tremendous now. Like I don't even think you're waiting for development. He is as good as a finished NRL product. Like, he's, he's effective in the NRL now. So if he's going to get better than what he is now... He's more than effective. He's their Jesus. most potent attacking weapon. You've, uh, yeah, they've got a good one. Mitchell Pierce to me, also is earning his check. It's been the last two weeks he struggled because his pack got beaten up. But on the weekend, he dictated for me. He kicked really well. He always defends well. And the other one who's developing and just week in, week out, he's getting better with Ponga, is Lachlan Fitzgibbon. There's not many better edge runners or blokes that can find the try mm. line. His yardage work was good. And I honestly thought their pack, even though, again, Younger and a couple of those older blokes in there were just more aggressive than Brisbane. Brisbane were aggressive, but almost to a grubby extent. A lot of the rucks were ugly. There was a lot of pushing and just bullshit that didn't need to be there. And they're a frustrated football side right now. Mm. Newcastle, uh, you know, all thumbs up to them. Levi finally got an opportunity. He's been killing it down in New South Wales Cup after his dropping and the big thing, I guess, is what we said before. Newcastle, effort can't be questioned. Still very, very young. Still development and a heap of cap space. Good situation moving forward. Mm. And surely it would have burned watching SASA on the other side of the fence again as well, knowing that what they could have paid for him was still very, very reasonable on the front row market and they didn't even jump in for it. Yeah, Like just arrogance again for me from the Broncos to not even try and make an offer and almost be like, well, we gave you an opportunity. That's fine. But when his performances are better than the other front rows you've got and he's on a one-year deal... You come back to the table. Like, I mean, they just made some poor decisions in the off-season. Titans Manly. I actually really enjoyed this game. Oh, this yeah, was a decent game of football. When they concede on the first set, I had my concerns that we're in for one of those days again mm. where things were going to get ugly. But to their credit, they fought back. Um, you know, I thought the halves, and particularly Kane LG again, a better performance this week, starting to build some confidence. Him and Taylor linking together as well, and their defensive intent. While they get pulled apart sometimes, I thought on the weekend they showed some real intent for once. Manly, to me, looked like they were just missing that extra option, which is Tom Trevojevic. They are a little more predictable. It was easier to get after. Cherry Evans, even Jake, was a little less dangerous without his brother there and trying to have those extra bodies around him. But end of the day, Jai Arrow, outstanding. Massive loss for Brisbane. Couple of tries, five offloads, 100-something metres. Nathan Peets, even for me. Finally playing with his eyes up. He jumped the left short side purposely a couple of times. He was getting his forwards over the ad line. He even kicked once, I think. Yeah. So I don't know whether he's got a phone call from Brad Fittler or someone's tipped him up that he needs to show a little bit more than just being a defender. But I thought he had one of his better games on the weekend. Michael well. Gordon as well did a lot of things that you probably don't notice in a game. Just comes up with big plays, uh, gets the side going forward well. It's just steady. Diffuses. Consistent. Like in anyone... 
Like, look at what Parramatta's uh, Jared Haynes giving Parramatta. Well, he's not playing at the moment, but and I look at what Michael Gordon's giving the Titans and just go cut rate too. You want to talk about market value or getting value? Well, that's, value. that's what I'm saying. Goal like kicker, eighty percent goal kicker, paying overs and unders for players. We're paying. We're probably paying him under what he's giving us on the field, and that's good business. Yeah, I think uh, Wallace coming back the last two weeks has been good as well. That's yeah. stabilised the middle. James being back at prop, that's a necessity. I thought he was pretty solid again, but he picked up a suspension from what I read before. I'm not sure what for, but he's going to be out. Um, the one who had a couple of good games early on, but he's been awful last year, which means Connie Hurrell. Mm. The hands. Don't start me. The hands just come and go, don't you they? You know what? You know, I know what my thoughts on Some weeks the hands are great and the carries are outstanding. Other weeks he's injured off the softest tackles and he can't hold the football. And on the weekend he frustrated me a little bit again. But he frustrated you, did he? Good. Very, very good, good football, I thought, from them. Um, you know, the offloads, playing some good footy. Arrow, like I said, very early on, looking like a leader for that side, along with Walker, the halves. Pete's much better game at nine. Uh, they're in the eight. They're playing some good football. Yeah, they got shellacked the other week. But they took it to the Broncos. They took it to Manly. I think they're going to be one of these teams again. Who, are, who they're very young. They're going to be around. But the this eight. year, I think they're going to have those weeks. They're we going said to be that on and I, off. I, they're going to be hot and cold. I, I still think they'll probably slide back into the bottom four. Like once teams get going that are below them, you know, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the yeah. Storm, those sides get going. I think they'll slide back a little bit. The Eels, I even expect to to get going at some point. Not with that forward pack at the moment. Maybe not, no. But uh, they've got a lot of, I guess, more fancied sides below them is my point. Yeah. Um, but maybe not, you know, like, I, maybe not. Maybe they maybe they are going to be in the scrap for the eight. Um, the best thing for me, though, is the majority... I said it in the pre-season preview that I, I really liked our one, seven, six, nine, and I liked our forward pack. Just the issues with me were our outside backs. And, and at the moment, they're okay. Um, the bench has been okay. King and Boyle, I like. They're just going to like keep King. developing. If they keep getting better, then the Titans can make the eight. If the if the Titans are going to make the eight, it will be seventh or eighth. Like yeah. they're no, not going to finish up the table any further than that. And, and I, could, I could be wrong on that, but I think you'd be very you'd be overly optimistic to think that they're going to finish any higher than than seventh or eighth. It was very nice as well for his shorter stint to see Bryce Cartwright find just carry he the football. Good. He just carried the football. That's your, We all get taught this. Your first priority is to carry hard, carry with intent. And if you do that, then you're more likely to get an arm free, get through a hole and be able to offload. Instead of looking well, at a pass Garth has talked himself up as the, as the Cardi whisperer. So well, this, the, this is last chance to learn if, almost for If Bryce the weekend's Cartwright. what we've got to go off, if you see that for the rest of the year, that's the Cartwright that played some good football the other year that got him in rep talks. Yeah. And I think for now... But again, the it's consistency. Oh, it's consistency. But I think for now, him off the bench is a good balance for them coming in and doing the job he did. He brought a bit of impact just for half time at a point of difference. Yeah. And priority was run first, which is what it always should be. Yeah. If he does that, he'll be fine. Uh, on the manly side of things, they missed Tom. They might get him back this week. Thought Cherry Evans was still steady in those two front rowers again. But Croker, and I want to know the rule here, they said he was going for a second HIA. I don't think that's correct. I'm pretty sure you can't have a second HIA, and if you can, surely once you get a second head knock, that's it. That's something I wanted to get clarified. I think Andy Raymond might have mixed, minced his words there. I'm pretty sure you can't have know. a second HIA. I, I don't know. I'd I'm like to know that. I wouldn't think... Surely if you've come off and already had one and come back on and you get another knock to warrant a HIA, that should be your day done. Surely you can't get concussed. I don't or, know the rule. You know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I do, I don't know, but I would think common sense would say if you've got to come off for a second head knock, you shouldn't be able to go back on. Yeah, I just I was wondering. I find about it hard that. to believe that that wouldn't be the rule. But <coughs> yeah. I don't know for certain that that is the rule. Yeah. So if someone knows, and we're not talking about you know, just because you think you know. Yeah. Something. I, something I'd like official. to look into that a bit further, but yeah, I, I thought Andy Raymond might have minced his words. But I also, thought. how do you know that he's gone off for like a HIA? 
Well, did the clock I watched him get whacked in the head twice pretty badly. So mm. I, I think he wasn't I think I heard in the commentary that one of them was for something else. He was brought off the field for something else, but I, I don't know. Yeah, well, that that one just had me a bit iffy. But for Manly, it's the same thing we said. I thought they were steady. They missed a few chances. They definitely missed Tom. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. But consistency, depth, they got Walker back on the weekend. I thought he was okay for his first game after a bad, bad break. Um, Tom's a big part of their side, though. Brings a bit of balance. And then even Siernan. I'm always happy to say last year that he proved a point, played some good football, started the year good, but... Winnerstein coming back in wasn't the same player that they got out of him either. So yeah. um, consistency and depth is going to hurt them this year, I think. And we saw that in the weekend. Penrith and Para. Early on, I thought Penrith rolled. I thought the intent was there. The contact was good again. But when Merrin got binned early on, the best part for me was they defended that whole period, which was outstanding. Uh, they got through that. They saw it through. The disappointing part for me is when Manor got put in the bin. The only way they could generate a try with 12 men on the field was by a kick. And for the rest of the game, I felt... Similarly, again, that they were playing very pre-line, um, that it was basically just a block for Edwards, which was very easily readable. Maloney, I thought, controlled things well. But at the same time, second half, it was basically almost, to me, like Penrith just wanted to give the game away. They couldn't get out of their own end. They were dropping the football. Parramatta did well to force some repeat sets, and I'll give Penrith full credit for defending their way out of it. But with the ball, I thought they were pretty clunky. They were, definitely. Penrith, uh, very lucky they played Parramatta. I went to this game and it was a, it was a hard game to watch. I spent more time at the bar than I did watching it. Um, Parramatta had more than enough chances to win that game. Their oh, attack is still they force, dreadful. They just forced the issue inside twenty. Their There's no patience at all. Dreadful. The only try they scored was off a fumbled kick, and Jennings picked it up and they scored. Otherwise, they didn't look like scoring. Parramatta. Yeah, I just I'm I'm a bit flabbergasted still at just the impatience of being inside 20, and even on those repeats, and in particular, Mitchell Moses. He just, some of the forward part, like one of that, that forward pass that he slammed into Mahu just before half-time probably summed it up for me. That was awful. Yeah. Um, and then in the second half, he tried that little reverse over the shoulder pass that everyone's now seen 50,000 times, and they did find the mark, but they covered up for it. The one way I thought they had success and they didn't go to it enough is turning back against the grain. Kenny Edwards poured through a couple of times and almost got through, they caught Penrith out a few times in the drain, but they didn't go back there. Um, and I mean, they, they look like when they're attacking Parramatta, it looks like the other team's got fifteen defenders. It does. It really does. They are struggling big time in attack. But I just uh, even again in the even the middle side of things, Alvaro no leg speed, Mano no leg speed. And we talk about again the dynamic having people out there that can bend the line back, get quick play the balls, force some second phase. If Sue Matangi. Evans and Terrapo all aren't better in that department than Manor and Alvaro. I'm not here. Nathan Brown was outstanding, but he can't do that job on his own. Um, just they're, they're really lacking in that front department. Mm. They're back five. Getting Gutherson back this week is going to be very, very helpful, I think. But you can't expect a lot from him straight off an ACL. No. So that's a big ask. But the rumours won't go away that they're looking to play a swap with Canberra for Corey Norman, who Ricky Stewart bought even though he left before he got there. 
but I'm just throwing that one out there. And there's been plenty of talk about it. But if the Raiders were to get Corey Norman and you knew you know straight away he'd have full control, he's much better when he's in full control. And he hasn't been since Moses has been there. Well, then, okay, so you, who's going to come? Who's going to swap? They want a forward. They want Paulo back, apparently. But okay, apparently, so what are Canberra going to do? The Canberra are then going to have four halves. They're going to have Williams, Norman, Well, they're Caesar, shopping and Austin right now, and everyone knows that. And Caesar, they have offered a contract but shopping, to. shopping Austin, Austin needs to want to go. He does want to go. Okay. So realistically, right now, they're not going to offer him. A, they offered him a deal at the back end of last year from more reports, close to 700000 He said, no, I'll prove. When's he off contract this year? He's off. End of this year, he's gone. Right. And I don't think there's going to be an offer anymore. He should have taken that deal when it was there. 700000 I think, is well above his market value anyway. Mm. So that's a big thing to knock that back and say, I'm going to prove the form and a new contract in the off-season and coming into the season. 700000 is a big offer. Yeah, it is. And if that's the report and if that's accurate, I'm not sure, but he should have taken that deal. Absolutely. Um, obviously, now that's probably cost him. Sees they're saying they've definitely made an offer to him. They want him to be there. But whether he's going to stay, the rumours are he's going back to the Bulldogs. So yeah, if they don't get him over the line and they don't have Austin, they've got to have something to go let's to. Let's see what plays out. But so. at the moment, uh, the effort was better for Parramatta, but their execution is still poor. Yep. Agree with that. Uh, Penrith, two from two of that Cleary. They'd be very happy about that. And if they can get through this period, sort of uh, 50-50, as we said before, that'll be a massive achievement for the Panthers. But now we can move on to our fan questions for this weekend and jumping straight in. Edge Matthews, Callum Pong on the new Billy Slater. Gee whiz, he's off the mark quick. And yeah, he looks very good. Said as much early. 19 years old, plenty of potential, and there's still some growth there for him. Duncan Bridgeford, can the Eels recover from here? Uh, to make the eight, it's going to be very tough. I think they can recover. The only way is up for the Eels. The next three to four weeks are critical, though. If they've only got a win or two after 10, and that means you're going to need 10 on the run home out of 12, I don't see it happening, bare minimum. That, that's a massive ask. Uh, Amitish Sharma, what do you guys think of Izzy finishing off his career at the Storm after Billy leaves end of this year? We need an experienced FB. A six and seven are relatively new to their positions, and we can see the inexperience in the Storm's game this year. I think it'll be a great fit as he's been in the system before. Well, for me, playing rugby union fullback is very different to playing fullback in league. And to be honest, I think our fullback's month to long term. It's not 5'8 for him. I think he's a better ball runner. Just watch round one against the Bulldogs again. I think he was outstanding at the back. He's more physical than Slater at this point. Obviously, the injuries have stopped him. And he's a ball player. So for me, Munster's our fullback long term. Brandon Smith will eventually inherit the nine. The seven and six are open right now. They're talking about signing Brock Land. They looked at Milford last year. Croft is obviously there. Does he the long-term option? We don't know yet. But six and seven are a lot more open. To me, the nine and one. Munster's best position to me is one. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me there, but I think he's a fullback. Yeah. That's his but best then you're gonna, Yeah, who are you going to put at 5'8"? You've got well, Jax, you've got Croft. Jax, um, Croft. I think Smith, they've definitely groomed to be there. Nine. The under-20s, yeah. they also have the Rugby League Players Association Player of the Year last year. He didn't win the 20s Player of the Year in the awards, but Harry Grant, who's apparently playing well at New South Wales They've Cup this year. got brother there. Scott Drinkwater. Well, quite good. He's killing it at fullback, apparently, in Queensland Cup right now. So not playing in the halves, but... I, I got some options there. But yeah, for me, the Melbourne don't need to go and overpay Israel Folau. And they won't go overpay no. Israel Folau. That's the other thing. So I don't think... Might be, might be a fit back at Brisbane. If Boyd pulls a pin and... Yeah. Who knows? See what happens. Dave Butler, despite a 48% winning record, it's almost a consensus that Brad Arthur's a great coach. Why is that? Mate, I think he gets more raps just for the crap that he's had to deal with while he's been at Parramatta. And they've been rock solid and he's, he's been able to clean things up and the junior pathways have been pretty good and he's fixed up a lot of stuff, I think, more club-wise in, in Brock. Your opinion there and that side of things. I think this year is obviously not a reflection 
Who said he's a great coach? I, was no, saying, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that. Great coach. So that I think far. he's a good coach. I think most NRL coaches' winning percent will float around fifty. Um, the the really good coaches will be sixty. The exceptional. Well, Craig Bellamy's got the highest rate, and it's sixty-eight. Well, there you go. And that's you know, I would think yeah, around seventy would be exceptional. If if Um, if but it's difficult just to win one game, let alone you know, and that the the records indicate most teams, well, the middle of the table is always a fifty percent winning record. Usually, most teams go up and down. You're going to have the odd team like your Melbourne, like your Cowboys, um, in recent years, Manly in uh, in the early, well, the late. 2000s who were in the eight nearly every year or up the top every year. So the winning percentages of those coaches are naturally going to be a little bit higher. But if they have long careers, that, that tends to even out. For every up, you usually have a down. And, you know, the game goes in cycles with a salary cap. So, oh, look, I think I think he's a good coach because he's um, – I think he's he tied that group together. He's rode out some difficult situations at Parramatta. He's helped the club. Mendes this is probably the first year where he's had smooth seas. Um, it hasn't come together as he would have liked, but they won't jump off board after one season, though. Well, there's talk after that if he done. loses the next one or two, and they're zero and seven, zero and eight, that he's going to be under some pressure. But I certainly wouldn't be. I wouldn't be firing him. And the question is, is that is the issue Brad Arthur's coaching, or is the issue the players have got on the field? It's the players they got on the field. Yeah. So, and and the who's right to blame for that? I'm not sure. There's already talk. There's Brad disharmony. Arthur's going to take some responsibility for that, and yeah. I'm sure he will. Well, they. Clearly took a risk in bringing in Moses. So I thought they'd heard before, but there's talk that there's already disharmony in that situation. So mm. that's not exactly what we're going to be here enough. You've invested heavily, but and they've got more problems than just their halves. Their middles have been exactly. terrible. Gutherson's not back. They lost Hayne early. They lost French early. They've lost Evans. They've had a couple of guys get injured early. It hasn't been a good start with the year. No. I wouldn't say he's a great coach. He's a good coach, but you've got to look at what he's done in a shit situation in a club that's been a basket case. They owe him, in my opinion, a little bit of loyalty for him sticking by them through a bad situation when he could have left twice. And the Warriors was the last one who made him an offer. Yeah. So I think they wouldn't go that Well, far. that we know about. Yeah. I'm sure there'd be plenty offering him behind closed doors. Matty Hunt says, I've had Paras the passengers of the week twice now, and they still continue to disappoint. Going to ask you boys to pick the passenger of the week for round five. I'll go with um, Brisbane. I was going to say Brisbane as well. Um, just all around poor. And then Sam Thido's comments on top, Wayne Bennett, saying that it wasn't about winning, which is bullshit. You're in the NRL. That's your job. That's what you get paid to do. Fans certainly don't want to hear that you're not going out there to win. Let's mm. put it that way. Dave Crowen, where do you see the Eels next win? Well, they're not going to have any better chance, I guess, than this week against the Raiders, who only just got their first win. Mm. Um, you know, and am I a happy chappy that Waka Blake is out now? His absence will hurt, or will Yo do as good a job? Well, I didn't see the lineups to see if he's playing yet. I've admitted it before. He's rocks and diamonds, and he can come up with great moments in attack, and he's an absolute weapon in that sense. But my issue is, for this far in his career, you still can't be dropping the ball three or four times a game. I admit he started the, uh, the year quite well, but round one's enough for a reflection. You overlook the drop ball, the clean drop coming out of yardage that was going to give Parramatta a chance to be four tries up before half time until Manu Mahu gives away a penalty, which wipes that error out. And then the next minute, he runs over seven blokes and scores under the post. He can come up with some brilliant stuff. I'm not yeah. knocking that. He's a first grader. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But you can't drop the ball three or four times a week. Um, and that's just my gripe the last few years. If he cleans the errors up, he can be a great footballer. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. James Heron, hey boys, Bennett's job safe. They would have to be glad the Eels are around on pure effort. They would be close to bottom of any power rankings. Yeah, they're certainly not up in mine. Nah, definitely not. Bennett's job safe. Well, there's talk they've had an inkling at Paul Green, considering he's off contract right now. Uh, I don't know. I think they're at Brisbane. 
there's a lot to read into that situation, but I don't they're re, they're going to be going that far right now. I don't think Paul Green should lead the Cowboys either. I think out of the two squads or the rosters right now, I'd still rather have the Cowboys yeah. moving forward. So the Brisbane-Bennett thing, I don't think that's going to have anything to uh, really talk about until later in the back end of the year. But right now, I don't think uh, he's in any trouble. No. Uh, what have we got here? Dominic Coogan, is clunky the new buzzword in the NRL? The commentary team sound like they've been listening to your podcast. Well, I don't think we use it that often. Uh, we use it sometimes. No, but, but I mean I to think... the point where they're using it all the time. Nah. Maybe, Dom. Maybe they are. Who knows? Diego Montoya, which forward pack is punching most above its weight at the moment? Forward pack? I'd say the Warriors have surprised me. I didn't expect Blair, Lever, Harpulu to start passing in his first game. Lasone off the bench, Bunty, Afoa. Like, if you want to go as a collective... To I'll say the Tigers. ...be doing... Yeah, well, that too. Massively, you wouldn't have picked that. They've got two good front rowers, though, but... Pulu, Parsi, Lasone, Afoa. If you would have told me this, that side would be laying the platform they've got right now, I question whether they could lay a platform for a player such as uh, a Tohu Harris to get some football. But they've punched massively over for me so far, considering some of those players. Daniel J. Rennie, are the Broncos done for 2018, or can they recover and be a threat? No I don't one, think no they one's can, done. No one's done, but I don't think they're a threat for the title. No. And I thought as much at the start there. I literally threw logic out the window and distrusted in the process that that club generally always finds a way to make the finals, and I feel stupid for it now. But, yeah, I, I I don't think they're a threat. I think they can still make the eight, but it's going to take some hard work. Well, five games down, nine in to go. Yeah. Justin Bryan, do you think Gerard Beal's injury will make the Warriors seven? Uh, will he make the 17 when he returns from injury? No way. They're talking about that like it's no. a big thing you're being your side. Who's he replacing? He's not replacing Carter, and he's certainly not taking Hiku out. Hiku... To me, as a center, as a winger, and as a fullback, which are all roles Bill can play, I think he's better in him in all those aspects, and he's a better ball player if you need him at fullback. Qatar's a powerhouse. He's more damaging. He's better in yardage. And the two wingers, he's certainly not taking them out. Fussy too, I've ran and raved every week, and you probably get sick of me saying it, that word classy. The bloke's a freak. Hmm. He's an absolute machine. I don't think there's, there's not many better finishers right now, but he literally glides across the park. And then Marmolo's got those errors out of his game, and he's he's just... He played front row in the under-20s grand final the other year. Now he's on the wing. And he's got those errors out and he's outstanding in yardage. And the finishing ability is getting better as well. Yep. To me right now, Bill's playing New South Wales Cup. There you go. Uh, hi, gents. Love your work. Nice to hear some well-informed and technical discussion on the game rather than some dribble on TV. Can you please explain the origin eligibility rules? It's got me stumped. Also, how that then relates to playing internationals for another country. Well, well, if it's a tier one and you play for a tier one side other than Australia, you can't play Origin. Simple as that. If you have heritage in a tier two, you can still make yourself available for state of origin yeah. and then go and play for a tier two country. And the idea behind that is to make sure that players that have mixed heritage, like an Andrew Fafita, can then go and play for someone like Tom- Tonga to make sure that the quality of the football that Tonga can produce is of yeah. a high standard. Well, look at the World Cup. If you told Italy they couldn't have Tedesco, Vaughan, all those kind of guys, who would they have? You know, a bunch yeah. of guys that play New South Wales Cup and all these things, and they'd get murdered. So basically, if you are declared for England or New Zealand, you definitely can't play Origin, plain and simple. You're a tier one nation, you can't play Origin football. Out of that, if you declare for Australia, but you have heritage like Brock and Tonga, Samoa, one of these things, the Josh Papali, all these kind of guys. It boosts the World Cup, basically, and it yeah. boosts those other teams when they're playing international fixtures. Yeah, so, but the eligibility is pretty It's still pretty confusing. Origin. The Origin one's got me pissed off that somehow Luke Keary, who's born, raised in Queensland, played all his football up there, been there until he was 14, 15 years old, gets graded 
on his first junior rep football at South Sydney and all of a sudden he's a New South Welshman. He's, yeah. he's been in Queensland 14, 15 years. He's born and bred, raised, schooled, junior football up there, but rep football is the first grading, so technically he's a New South Welshman. And that's an awkward situation because you'd love to pick him, but a couple of years ago he appealed it to try and play for Queensland. And why shouldn't he be playing for Queensland if you've been He's there? the one. He, he's the, the outlier in that's, all of it, isn't it? It's he's ridiculous. been the one since they've redone the eligibility that oh, he's the one. Dumbfounded. It's a bit of a head-scratcher. Absolutely dumbfounded. Uh, Tom Adam Thomas says, should the Broncos actually consider moving Boyd to the halves and putting Milf at the back? In open no. space, he looks much more dangerous than Boyd's a good ball player. Also, is Wayne done? Wayne's never done. Like, Wayne's... He, he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. He He's going to go down... As at the moment, it would be Gibson, Bellamy, and Bennett. Uh, whatever sort of order you're going to put well, them seven in. premierships, I'd put him above. I'd, I'd put, put Phil Gould probably in that discussion as well. Um, so yeah, look, it's he's right up there. So you, you don't forget how to coach. No, my only. I argument. think his recruitment has been short sighted. I think his back end of the Dragons was short sighted. His tenure at Newcastle was short sighted. And this period has been short-sighted. Now that's natural because Wayne can see the finish. He yeah. knows he's not going to be probably. He just wants to win another comp. In five years, he's probably not coaching. Ten years, he's definitely not no. coaching. He wants to win another. He comp. wants to win another competition. So therefore, his, his recruitment is reflected in uh, reflecting that, and he's got some things wrong. And yeah. the, what we're seeing on the field now is a result of that. Well, Boyd, even though I said the other week, I'd like to see him at one. Uh, sorry, at six, because I think he's a good ball player. I still want his hamstring right. Right now, if he's not 100%, I just don't want him playing full stop. Yeah, I'd move Izako or Nikarima to the back and put Bird at six if you put Nikarima to the back or Izako and put Opachak on the wing. But if he's not 100%, I don't want him on my side. I don't want a guy out there who I'm a ticking time bomb waiting for him to go down at any moment. And I don't want to be carrying a utility outside back in Opachak on my bench to cater for that. So that's what I'd be looking at right now. Uh, Andrew Tilly, what are your thoughts on expansion? I'm a Bears fan. I can't believe the NRL are still happy to not have a presence on the Central Coast. The Central Coast Bears, like Newcastle, would have a sellout at every home game. Well, they need to be competitive for that in the first place, mate. So I don't know if I could agree straight away there, unfortunately, Andrew. But if the right team was there on the Central Coast and they were competitive... I don't know. Do they get sellouts every time a game goes to the Central Coast? I know they're not teams that are going there, but I think that's a pretty big call. I think there should be a side there. I think there should it's a, be. It's a no-brainer, but yeah, how we do it now is interesting. They should have done it earlier. Yep. Jay Strasburg's asking what our thoughts are on the ref stopping so Packer could get his knee strapped to the back end I, of the I game. I thought it was a bad call. Yeah, they were one behind. They had nowhere, momentum. Nowhere near the play. Yeah, and that was my issue, I guess. But they clutched out the match. They definitely deserved it, he's saying. But should you stop it for I was watching it with a Tigers fan, and he totally agreed. Yeah, so. I had the shits because I saw a little bit of it at a Bucks party at the back end there on someone's iPad because we were at some random house in Terrigal. And it's exactly what you said. First two plays, I thought we had to play the ball on the way, and the next minute they stopped us, mm. so... I'm not saying they would have won the game. Full credit to the Tigers, but I agree. James Douglas, is there a softer runner, uh, running prop than Alvaro? He's like a strolling marshmallow. Yeah, he just... I don't, I don't think it's through a lack of effort. Nah. And look, I've been critical of Manor and Alvaro, but... There's no leg me, speed. A, that's right. There's no lack, bump. They've There's got a lack of leg speed. Yeah. They're not the most impactful players, that's for sure. Zach Rivera, what is the go of Jake Friend and Tyson Frizzell's lack of minutes? Killing my draft team two weeks in a row. Both would be lucky to be playing 40 minutes each. Well... If you're watching Frizzell run the football and the impact he's making, you can understand. And like I've said a couple of weeks ago, eight interchanges, they're choosing not to use their bench players as much per se. They're basically rotating Armour off for one of those middles. Lattimore gets a quick stint. 
Man got a stint the other week, another time he didn't. But they're using the extra interchanges to roll Armau in for one of the props, Vaughan for Lattimore for a short stint, and then they put like Frizzell, Debellant, like they rotate those forwards within themselves. Just put the starters back on and roll each other in and out. Mm. And why wouldn't you? They're an outstanding forward pack. And obviously he's not looking to reach for the bench, so that's the reason there. Jake Friend, it's strange because he's the captain. And the other night I was looking to see if he got hurt or a head knock at the start. I didn't see because I missed the first 20. But Radley played more than half that game. Friend only played 30 minutes or so, I think. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Radley's a gun. Jay Ross, Grain and Penalty cracked down. The refs are just doing their job in policing the game, but there needs to be more sin bins for multiple infractions in a row. Well, I think they're doing a pretty good job and they're sticking to it. Terry Spear, should the Dallium rules be changed so Brownie gets three votes for the little head comment? <laughs> I did have a laugh at the time. Uh, it was. Quite... I don't. I don't think it's a smart move. Um, for him moving forward, like no. as a, as a professional, and again, that's not the right way to deal with it. It's good for the media. It's good for the fans. It's good for shows like ours. But for him professionally, I think he. There's no. There's no reason why he couldn't. He couldn't have a crack back at him. Yeah, but just do it in a more professional manner. I I think that's my view on it. Oh. But, and that's not me being PC. Like I don't care no. if, he, if he chooses to say that. Good on him. Like, he regrets whatever. it. I don't, I don't he's care. that himself. But for me, I would, have, I would have definitely had a crack back. Yeah, but he but got I probably personal. wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have gone down that avenue to do it. That's all. Nah, he got personal. And I, th- I thought he'd start off all right when he said the old fox talking about me and I don't know why. Seven premierships, 30 years, etc. Yeah. But yeah, then he dropped the personal barb in there and he got pretty heavy. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Wayne, the, my issue, and again, it obviously got, got to him, is Wayne had multiple cracks during the week. There was multiple barbs. But again, it was just to get under his skin. So it's obvious that it worked. It did work, 100%. So, Wayne still got it. Phil Bazak, where do West slot Reynolds in now he's fit or should he get a run to prove his fitness no, first? No, well, you can't put him in. They've, they've won, what have they won? Four out of five well, games. Well, he's back in straight on the bench this week. And, and who's out? That's because well, they've got Benji, they've got Brooks, Little's playing starting nine. God, I don't know. Looks like he's out of the side altogether. Okay. So, he must be injured. Well, there you go. Because he's not even on the extended bench. So Little's got a straight-up start. Reynolds will be playing so as the, the situation's nine. sorted itself out. It's allowed him to, but I said last week, if this wasn't the situation with the way they've been playing, you I would have put, put him, him back, back in cup because a bad hamstring, and he's had this multiple times the last 18 months. I want to see him play a couple of games. Yeah, agree. And blast the whole game. Mateo Grasso, who's your biggest overachiever so far considering roster and recruitment this year? Dragons, Tigers, or Warriors, etc. Biggest underachiever. Well, biggest overachiever, Tigers, easily. Yeah. Considering well, what they've got. Well... Tigers or Warriors? Not the Warriors. The Warriors have got internationals all through their side. You picked them more... to win the spoon, mate. No, I didn't. Who picked them to I win the spoon? I picked the Tigers to win the spoon. The Tigers, mate. sorry. They're a massive sorry. overachiever. Yeah. Any idiots um, picked the Warriors to win the spoon, they're never going to win the spoon. I think they're both are clear overachievers, but we well neither we didn't have either in our eight. Underachiever is easy as well. North Queensland. North Queensland have got the best roster. Well, I think Parramatta. Or talent. Nah, not compared to North Queensland. Where'd you have Parramatta? Top four? Parramatta, fifth, I think. Yeah. North Queensland won by a country more with that side they've got and the two players they got back. Yeah, I think they've got reasons, but I don't think, I don't know what Parramatta's excuse is. Terrible forwards. Same thing we said last yeah, year. Yeah, but that's, not, gonna, they that's, had the top that's not going to get any better. Nah. Cowboys' situation is going to get better. Jamal Sam Chami, pick for best Biff in NRL you've seen, and if you could get 12 rounds in the ring with one current or pass play, who would it be? Well, there hasn't been much Biff in my lifetime, to be honest, as no. far as best Biff is concerned. So I can't really reflect on too much fighting, to be honest, if I'm being... I remember as a kid watching the Origin fights. You know, it used to be on at the first scrum or whatever. You're probably a little bit too young, but yeah, remember coming home. You knew that there was going to be a fight in the first ten minutes, and that that was good. You know, that's what the game was. But the game's moved on from that. Um, fighting a, a I don't think current we or past need player. it. Fighting, anyway, I don't want to fight anyone. Nah, 
once you're old enough to pay a bill, you shouldn't be fighting anyone. Shouldn't be throwing fists. Unless you're going to do it, uh, unless you're going to do it in the ring or in the octagon. And this is like someone I asked before with me and you fight each other. I was like, it would be a waste of time with two heads the size of ours. You'd break your hands on them anyway, so. Fight. I wouldn't wish anyone to We didn't though. fight when we were growing up. No, but I'm just saying, for a jack side of things, if someone was to punch I'd his I'd punch head, the piss out of you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah. you'd break both... I'm a, I'm a bit, bit angrier than you. You'd break both your hands. Yeah. And I'd just be sitting there going, yeah. Yeah, copies. Uh, Russell Hardart with a dedicated origin round this year. Have you thought about a live podcast before the event? Interesting. Interesting. Definitely not If there's a... any businesses or pubs or places that are keen on it, and there's a market for it, we're open. Well, I'll say one thing. Definitely won't be for the New South Wales game because we go. That's yeah, we do sure. go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we've said before we're looking at doing a, uh, what is it, a, a game companion similar well, to anyone. it's got to happen. We, we keep Rogan. talking about it. We, we will do, do one, but we need some bloody time, mate. Oh, bullshit. We've got time. Right. We'll sort Haramats are out now, so yeah, let's footy's go. done. We've got a little time. Yeah. Dominic Coogan, who comes into the halves if there is an injury at the Dragons? I think halves depth is their weakness. Well, well they don't have an injury, so... No offence for that one, Dom, but how many clubs do have good half depth? Not many. It's a problem for just about everybody. Yeah, look at Brisbane. So you want to talk about halves depth, you can look at everyone's top pairing, but who's honestly got a great backup? Like you look at the Cowboys, they've got one in Martin who played in the grand final, so they've got a more than a capable backup. Look at the Parramatta situation right now, who'd play halfback if they lost Moses and Norman, even if they're playing bad? Look at Canberra. You had two guys that were considered marquee players, plus Sam Williams is a first grader. They're struggling right now. They've won one game. So you want to talk about halves depth among all clubs. No one's really flush with extra halves. Kurt Mann can play six, though. Darren Nichols, who they got from Penrith, played New South Wales residents multiple times in New South Wales Cup and is a steady player. I think he'd do a better job than McCrone did next to Widop or Hunt, so I wouldn't be too worried for the Dragons. Yeah. Uh, ben Nobes, how does a player's defence have to be... How bad does a player's defence have to be to, to nullify what they do in attack? Mansour is arguably the best yardage man in the game, but his defence is beyond poor. Nine tries on his wing this year already. Would you boys drop a player like him or are the other player, other aspects of their game good enough to keep them in? Well, it's hard to say it's his fault when play, like plays generally all end up trying to score in that kind of region, that last 10 metres. And that's what you teach our boys, Boxhead, in particular. You want to play inside shoulder defence, get up, apply pressure, and if they're good enough to score in the corner you'll cop that if they execute all their passes and score there because it's the hardest spot to kick from. So nine times out of ten, most tries in the NRL are coming from the wing. Mm. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint it just on Josh Mansell because they're all been on that side of the field. Wingers are also on the end of everyone else's decision. Exactly. Decisions and are made from inside out because that's where the ball comes from. The ball comes usually from around the post and goes out. Yeah. And the defenders from inside out have to make decisions. And progressively, as it goes out, you react to the person inside you and their decision. And more often than not... Wingers are um, are on the end of players inside them. And look, that's not to defend Josh Mansell, but he gives them a hell of a lot offensively. So yeah. you, you got to work out what he's what he's doing positive uh, on the positive side of things, what he's doing on the negative side of things, and if they don't match up, but I then you you, you know you go and make a tough call. I can throw water on this one straight away because the worst two conceding players on the wing last year in the NRL or close to were Suli Vunavalu and Addo Carr, which says, again, inside-out defence. Make Melbourne make you score get the around course. them to score in the yeah. corner. So you can't exactly say that Suli and Addo Carr are bad defenders because all the tries are on the wings. That's showing that Melbourne are a better defensive team, which they were number one last year in the competition because yeah. they force you to execute to an absolute degree and get around them and kick from the sidelines, which yeah. is what all teams do that play inside shoulder defence and pressure. Where you don't want to be conceding, and you'd have a bigger worry is if you had numbers on a front row or a middle 
who's letting, you know, eight or nine tries in a year. You don't want to concede it all through your middle. And no. the best two defensive middle teams last year in the competition, Cronulla Sharks, Melbourne Storm. Yeah. So I wouldn't read too much into that stat, mate. Yeah, the last two premiers. Yeah. Ian Stanmore, you mentioned last week Cameron needs a letter at the club going forward. For me, the first guy I'd be calling is Jason Clark from South. Off contract, not getting a new deal. Epitome of a club man and leader. Not a high-profile player, but is a guy Cameron needs rather than they want. No, thanks. Sad to see him leave. I get what you mean, as in culture and all that, but that's not the guy I'm talking he's about. He's a reserve I'm, grader. Yeah, I, I think he's a first grader, but a bench I player. I think he's a reserve grader. But I think Ian, I understand what you mean as far as a clubman. I don't mean a clubman. I mean on field, a guy who can take control, close games out, who leads from the front every single week, who's the best player when it's needed. So 100%, there's guys in clubs like you're talking about, like a Jason Clark, that are needed to hold things together, but that's not necessarily what I'm getting at. I'm more mean on field, who honestly for them week in, week out takes control Closes well, it's games. Hodgson, but he's not there. So that's more what I was getting at. But Clark, he has been very good for South for a long period of time. Stephen Moorcroft, game team expansion gets mentioned every year uh, to help the growth of rugby league. Would it ever be possible to bring in EPL promotion? Expect- no. Is that what you're getting at? No. Uh, bring in old clubs, Newtown Bears? No. no. Well, how are you going to fund it? There's not it? enough depth. Where's the money coming from? You don't have enough depth relegating up and down. It's we, we can't even get the NRL right. No, so, so it's well out of well out of our reach, mate. Unfortunately, Tyne Jones, how is Aaron Woods on eight hundred thousand a year? Well, bloody hell, mate! Welcome to the party. How long have we been talking about that for? Yeah. How's your start for Australia? Is the bigger problem? Forty tackles against the Raiders and thirty-seven of them second or third man in. Uh, Zach Maitland, is it too early to start talking about Jai Arrow for Origin? Has been fantastic for the Titans this year. Yeah, too early. Well, he's in the emerging squads for Queensland and he'll definitely be there in the near future, I think, but maybe not right now if you've got Gillette well, and these he's, kind of guys. They've but, got injuries. You never know. But it's, it is too early because it's still He's only played seven weeks away. three or four starts in the NRL. So, yeah. yeah, it's a bit jumping the gun, but he's a great footballer. Daniel Friend, have the refs stopped penalising everything or have the teams improved? A bit of both. I think they've backed off, but I definitely think players have cleaned things up pretty quickly, yeah. realising that, you know, their games were just getting absolutely murdered. Um, Arthur's asked about Bennett Browning. We've already addressed that one. Daniel Burton, thoughts on Thido's post-game interview. We'll address that as well. I, he says he can't imagine Webke or Tallis saying that. Mate, completely agree, and it's plain and simple. Brisbane, Titans, Tigers, doesn't matter who you are. If you've got the worst roster in the comp, you never admit on TV that you're just going out there to do better. You go out there every single week because you get paid to do it as a job. You're trying to win for your fans. And as a fan, none of us want to hear that they're just going out to try and improve. Yeah, They need to be trying to win. That's what they're getting paid to do. Peter Dennis, if you're in charge of Bulldogs recruitment, who would you be going after for next year with what's available on the market? Well, don't have a list in front of me of who's off contract right now, so it's pretty hard to tell, mate. But I know they're going to have some money to spend because Eastwood and both the Morrises are on back end of deals and are all off contract. You're talking close to $1.8 million money right there. Free. I know one thing I wouldn't have done, and that's sign Aaron Woods for close to $800,000. Mm. That's been a huge mistake. Yeah. Johnny Ashkay, are Penner flying under the radar? Well, yeah, they are a little bit. I don't well, think so. They're, they're, they're the premiership favourites last year, and coming to this year, they were still, I think, in the betting markets for most people, like the fourth or fifth best side. I don't think they're under the radar. I don't think with the side they've I got, they or the players they've got, they can be, but um, they're doing a lot better than this time last year. They've still got some things to work out, and they've got Nathan Cleary to come back and People panicking after last week. Again, one game saying, oh, they look better without him. Those two didn't even get time to mesh or find the balance. Once they do, that's a scary thought. Because if they figure it out, they're going to be very, very good. Robbie Ryan, if you could trade any two players from two different clubs to benefit both, who would they be? What was that one? If you could trade any two players from two different clubs to benefit both, who would it be? I think he means one player 
for another player, maybe. I don't know. Well, it'd be it'd be a front row from Canberra to and a half from Parramatta. Well, if you're talking about live deals right now, yeah. and the talk about a player swap that Corey Norman and Brad Arthur. Yeah, but even forget about that. Forget about names. Just it'd be Canberra need a half. Parramatta need a prop. Well, if they're going to bail on Norman for that reason, and the talk is they've had enough of one another, there might be a bit of tension or even there. Brisbane, Brisbane need a half. Yeah, well, who Brisbane they, need who, a half. Who Canberra, they need a, Canberra need a, uh, a front row. Well, who would they trade out there? I don't know, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, from a off the top of my head sort of opinion, that'd be what I'd come down with. It's very hard to do it when we're answering them off the cuff and we're yeah. answering one million of them as usual. Alrighty. Uh, Poindexter, given the stat that after five rounds of Broncos halves, they yet to have one try assist between them. What can Milford and Cody do to improve their attack? Well, I don't think you can blame Milford. He's running the football. He's doing his job. Cody's a good support player. They've got two sixes. They've got two sixes, and they're not laying a platform. And the whole team's been ordinary, so it's not just on the halves. John King, which NRL clubs have signed 30 players for the roster? If not, how many spots are left and an idea around the roster? Well, no idea because the roster's having an update on the website. Some still have 40 players from the preseason. Most have got 29 players. They've got one spot left that they they have to have 29, sorry, by the start of the season. The last spot has to be filled by June 30, and if it's not, you're left with 29. 26 players in the squad are on top squad money. They have three developmental spots that they can give to younger guys and keep them for a year, and they go on a minimum wage of sixty, seventy, dollars or $80,000, and it increases 5 or 10% from what I know the next year. So it's around that basically at the moment. Mm. Uh, TVE says, hey guys, love the pod. Did one of you used to be involved with another podcast? No, mate, this is the only one we've had. Also, thoughts on doing the pod earlier for a Monday release. Thanks. Well, unfortunately, it's not our full-time job. We've both got partners, full-time gigs, coaching, other bits and pieces on the side, so we just make do with the time we've got. Well, we do it on a Tuesday because of the team list. Yeah, but also timing. We've got work, we've got other things going on, so it's not always possible to do on a Monday. Sometimes we do do it on a Monday because we can't do it on a Tuesday, but... We just work within the confines of the time we've got. Jeff, regardless of their off-field issues, do you think Kotrick is a better option at fullback than Whiten? Yes. I think Whiten's a centre. He's better defensive than Croker, and Croker looked good on the wing. Hides him a bit defensively, uh, finishes off, which he does well, and he can goal kick. Calvin Hewitt, who do you see winning the beef between Brownie and Bennett? Do you believe Brownie had the right to say? Didn't have the right to say what he said. I think the beef... Oh, he had the right to say... Some of what an he opinion, said. But, yeah, don't, don't get personal. Yeah. Who's going to win it? Well, oh, I don't think there's going to be a win. I think not, he, not between the coaches. He's rang him today anyway. They've tried to squash the beef. Bennett's obviously a little bit angry that he made it personal, brought personal life into it. But, you know, that's just, you know, emotions of the situation. They're both in the wrong. Brown's probably had to step the mark, but they should just flush it and move on. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Aaron, if you boys were coaching the Panthers, what would you do different to make them the best team in the NRL with the players they have? Well, nothing clear is out at the moment. I think they've got too many players that can play multiple positions. So, and I think they've they've worked that out because they've moved Moylan on, they've moved Cartwright on. Um, interesting. Yeah, I'd I'd probably start um, Kikau. I mean, he's sort of moved to that a little bit, hasn't he? he sort of shuffles he's finally in, getting in and a start. Out. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, like their their side's pretty solid. Um, I'd definitely continue to start Campbell Gillard. Um, Tarmia for me has got to be close to getting the getting dropped. I don't know whether he's given Penrith what they need um, from the bench, whether they've got someone there behind him that could do a little bit better. 
for me, he's the glaring one in the Penrith slot. They're paying way overs for him for what he's given. Seven hundred thousand or whatever he's on is ridiculous. But he's not delivering that on the field. I thought he had one good game the other week. Have, I think they're going pretty well. But over the life of the deal, no, nah, he hasn't delivered yet. Penrith are going real well. The only kind of change I have, and it happened on the weekend, is I said that Marin should play prop, but they put Yo at thirteen. But now that Fisher Harris is playing there and playing, as I said the other week, not on an edge, I think that's his spot. But I also think that Harawira and Naira, and I've said before, is a better attacking threat on the edge than Yo, but Yo is rock solid. But defensively, I think Yo is better than Harawira and Naira. So you got to pick your poison there. And obviously yeah. in the NRL, you're more interested in not conceding tries and scoring them, so he holds that role over him right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot they could prove on. The Bucks, uh, again, Bennett Brown, we've addressed that. Vanilla Thriller. Uh, many are attributing the Warriors' current success to better fitness. How much does fitness training vary between teams? What is the typical breakdown between no. cardio, weight, sprinting, wrestling, wrestling, etc.? It doesn't vary at all. It would vary slightly depending on who it is, what sort of side you've got, how they want to play, but most teams are doing similar things. That they've definitely been ramped up with Corvo there. I think it just tells me that they were doing less, less than what they should have. Yeah, hundred percent. He's got them up to par. Um, Corvo's got a proven track record, as we said before, at yeah. all the clubs he's been at. He's uh, been at Melbourne. He's been at Brisbane. He's been involved with the Queensland Origin camps. Like he, he's got a very, very good record. There's no doubt about that. But uh, that wraps up all the questions we've got for this week. So into the gossip side of things. He'll hopefully be on next week. Was trying to get him on tonight, but things haven't quite panned out. But he said here that he's going to promise to try and get on for all the fans next week and have a chinwag to us. But in his gossip bag, the Penrith Panthers are apparently keen on the Knights' Denny Levi. Bro. Why? Well, they got Wade Egan there. Peter Wallace. They got Wallace there. They 34, had 35 years old. Rain, they clearly didn't want to pay him, but I would have kept him around. He's, He's gone Wallace now. Wallace isn't that old, is he? Egan, Katoa. Obviously, I don't think they're really confident in Katoa. I don't think Katoa's a long-term option. Egan and Levi, pretty similar players to me. Yeah. Two guys Strange like one Dardo for me, unless, unless they think they're going to get him quite depth cheap. Depth and yep. price, I think. And you can never have enough depth, that's for sure. Yeah, fair. I don't mind the move. Uh, the Raiders shopping around Blake, Austin, Manly, and the Bulldogs both interested. Manly need, need a half desperately. I think they do need a half, but him with Cherry Evans, does that work? Cherry well, Evans it's generally going to work better to than Lachlan Croker. I'll give you that much. Well, I'd be if if I'm Manly, I'd be I'd want um, either Williams or Caesar to go with Cherry Evans. I'd I think they're Caesar. pure. I think they're pure sevens more than what Austin is. As you're saying, he's more of a runner. The, the one me like they've. They've cocked up massively manly by letting Green go and not having anyone to replace There's him. There's one glaring issue for all three of those, though, and we've spoken about every week. Defense. They're all poor defensively. They really are. Yeah, I don't think men, manly value that. Like, of course they value defense, but for me, if you say, okay, you're going to get a better half, but he's weaker defensively, they'll take that because they know they're going to get more offensive output with a half there. They've shown that they can rack some scores up this year manly when they click, but for me... It, any side that can sort of solve Cherry Evans, it makes it very, very tough um, for Manly to win games. Yeah, I just I just look at the Canberra and generally they're conceding on the edges. Austin's been terrible defensively there. Williams gets bullied and he got bullied again. Now he's injured. Caesar, I think, of all of them, when he's confident, and I didn't think he had that problem with the Titans, is probably the one I'd pick it a lot for me because of the kicking game, the goal-kicking package if he's in control. But he'd have that guiding role at Manly because Cherry Evans likes to float off the cuff. That's so the point. That's the one. But the Bulldogs he's are apparently... Not great, he's not a great defender. The Bulldogs are apparently looking at him to bring back to play with Foran. So that's where he's originally from. Hmm. Whether that happens or not, for Austin to play next to Foran, would that work? 
Uh, no. I, I don't think so. I, I think they need someone more like Caesar. Yeah. Not Take a, not a bit of pressure. Yeah. And I think, and I think the he, other thing is, right, okay, so Foran goes down because if we know he's injury prone, yeah. is Austin going to be able to steer the ship around by himself? No. Well, there you go. He's not there, a you got the answer to your question. Yeah. All right. Sam Tompkins. Uh, there have been rumours that he's going to come back to the NRL. He claims that those are false and <laughs> he will be moving to the Who Catalan. Would want him? He's going to be moving to the Catalan Dragons for four seasons. Well, and Catalan are rubbish. Yeah. And he's been rubbish and he backfired over here and he talked plenty he's gonna, of shit. He's going he's gonna to come to the NRL. Yeah. Okay. Good luck. Yeah, maybe um, come to Ron Massey Cup. I'm better than Billy Slater. How'd that pan out for you, champ? Okay. You're an absolute flop. And yep. the Warriors sold you back with a little bit of interest. They dodged the bullet there, and then they got Sheck. And why his first season wasn't that great? Said it before, the effort was still there, and now they put something decent in front of him. Look how good he's playing. Playing very good football. Uh, no brainer. The last one he's got here, Angry Jeff. He's the front runner to become the new Kiwi coach for New Zealand. Wow. Jeff Tierney. That would be interesting. Wow. What about his blops at his, half time? His approach with the Kiwi culture. and He can join the Harker, I'll tell you that much. The Jesus personality Christ. of some of those boys. They're pretty pretty relaxed, the Kiwi boys. Well, I'll tell you what. With the amount and of anger. Angry Jeff is pretty intense. So yeah. that, <laughs> I think that's an understatement. But I'd like to see him in the front of the Harker. I'll tell you what. Get that tongue out in that red face. That's going to be an investigation. Mm. Someone's going to be held accountable. Yeah, I, I right. find it strange that they're going to have an Aussie coach in the Kiwi. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think the Kiwis have, have I think they're, well, their, who would you they're I think they're 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 at their best, the Kiwis, when they've got someone in there who understands the culture. I I'm gonna throw one out there and I, I think I'd, it, I'd I'd give it to Stacey Jones. You've just said exactly what I was gonna say. He's an assistant right now and I think that he wants to be a head coach moving forward and he's done a few jobs and he can do that job while he's still at New Zealand. He he's got he'd have the respect of all the players. Not 100%. to say that Jeff Tuvey wouldn't. No. Nah. But he understands what it's like in the black jersey, he understands yep. what the heritage is. He's worn it for a long period of time, and he understands the culture. I, yep. I think, Stacey I Jones. think for the Kiwis, they I fear, I fear New Zealand when they have a strong Kiwi in charge, um, and they're aggressive and, and I, they get back to their roots. Similar I, to the All Blacks, like you look at the All Blacks, they would, they would never ever hire someone. And what I do fear more so than not that, a Kiwi. and I've said it before, I'm pretty sure this year that Kearney basically admitted he let McFadden and Jones in particular have more involvement in his attack. And you look mm. how they're playing right now, I'm sure he'd come in, throw out all the bullshit structure, pick all those guys and encourage them to play, play. the football that the Warriors are playing right now, which would be very good to watch. So. Yeah, Jeff Tuvey. Like, no, and that's nothing nah. against Jeff Tuvey. Jeff Tuvey's a good coach, and they've mentioned Michael McGuire and again, but I think he'd bring too much structure. And again, like you said, not understanding that. I think he'd bring intensity. Both of them would bring intensity, but it, the Kiwis yeah, are but, better but, when but they've got a Kiwi in charge. Not related to the jersey, and not related no. to the culture and the heritage, and you know, yeah. not having a past I'm with you. there. I'm with you. I don't. I'm not. I need someone with a link. I think. And if it's not going to be him, I'm trying to think of other Kiwis. That are I feel the same way about England. I think Wayne Bennett's done a pretty good job dragging the England program up. Yeah. But to me now, it needs an English coach to come but in. But I still think he's done the push. same thing again in not trusting some of the youth when he picks a guy like Chris Heinington in his side and tries to get the Morris and brothers. And that's what I mean. I think it's almost at a point. He's done them a disservice, yeah, in my opinion. It's at a point now where they need someone who is based in England well, to I take like, over that program. Like your mate from Cass. I don't know if he'd leave the job, but someone like that who plays good football. and they, Powell. they usually play decent attacking football, the Poms. I'd want him in charge. Mm. Oh, there's a few few real strong English coaches over there. I, you know, McDermott would do a good job. Um, and, well, Justin Holbrook's over there at the moment. He's killing it. Yeah. With St. Helens. Well, he's proven probably the point. That he, 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 I'm not saying for him to be the coach nah. over there, but 
I think there's some good tactical, smart coaches. You hear them talk. They do a lot of analytics on Sky over there. Yeah, they get them on that prompter after the game. They're and quite they... smart, man. They're, they're not dumb. So I'll throw it out there. Like I said, he's clearly done the work over here. Sean, uh, Sean Wayne is another one. He floated around. He was waiting for an opportunity. He didn't quite get one. He did his time as an assistant at the Roosters. He's got wraps on him. If a job opened up, I'm pretty sure he'd interview back here straight away. Holbrook, especially if he wins yeah. the Super League this year. Maguire did the same thing out of Melbourne. Went over there, won a comp. Struck while the iron was hot at a club in the Rabbitohs that had funding, were heading in the right direction, and within a couple of years he won a comp. So he he's impressing me massively. Yeah, there. he's obviously like I said, he's proving why so many had a rap on him as an assistant and why they thought he should have well, had a job. If so. they don't win the competition, they're going to go very very close. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, all the fan questions, all the gossip there wrapped up. We have to say a big thanks to Mister Gossip and look forward to hopefully talking to him next weekend but into our tips and betting segment now brought to you by the pro sports syndicate you are a gambler like us if you're interested if you're a big time punter if you want the expert tips these guys are professional punters boxhead and as i've said before what a life to live constantly living on the edge by hanging your nuts out there and having a punt but expert analysts their nfl package in the season just gone by yielded a profit of 27 percent they've been doing pretty well uh, in the past couple of years in all aspects and all the different sports they're involved with. The NRL this year, they're floating around the even mark for now. But as we've said in previous weeks, you look at how the season's panned out so far, it's been very unpredictable. I've gone from getting basically four every week, which I think is a good effort, yeah. to this week somehow lucking into a perfect round. But uh, you even need to look at last week. I think I got four, you got four, and Gossip got one. So to go from scores yeah, like I, that... I haven't, I haven't had a great round, but I haven't had a real horrendous round either. So I just got four every week until this week. I don't this really week I've knocked feel it out as of I've got a, a grasp on the game yet. No, man, I think the same for the bookies. A lot, the more important thing, some of their bigger bets and the more important ones, and for everyone out there, when you have an investment, are things like the lines or the starts you get for teams. And yeah. a lot of their bigger bets they're having, and you wouldn't bet on everything they send through to you, they're the ones that have been hitting. So if you're going to have a knock for the week, they're the kind of ones you want to be picking your money up on. They've been yeah. pretty successful so far. So a big thanks again to them for coming on board. And they took over our charity account, which is very important to us. We still haven't picked one for this year. Open to suggestions, as we said before. Send some stuff through. We're always thinking about who we can give it to. We've had plenty of good ones in the past. The Guide Dog Association, the Shepherd Foundation, giving deaf children a voice. Uh, the Great Walk Foundation last year. And I'm trying to think of one of the... Uh, we've had a We've had five so far, I think, over the five years or four years and... All very, very worthy causes, but there'll be another one this year. We've got two wins now. You backed uh, one the other week. I backed one on the weekend, so I think we're close to $300. Nice. Which is not a bad start, considering. So big thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate for taking over that. They didn't have to, but out of the, the goodness of their own hearts, they've decided to float that for us this year. There you go. But tips this week. First game we do have is the Roosters versus South Sydney. Uh, the Roosters on their side of things, as far as changes are concerned... I'm pretty sure they've made none as I get the page up here. They're unchanged from the weekend. There's no surprises about that. The Rabbitohs, they welcome back Richie Kenner onto the week from injury. So Gagai back into the centres. Heimer Hunt goes into the reserves. There's still no Burgess. Their effort was great last week. These were always great games, but I'm going to back the Roosters. Yeah, Roosters. Burgess out. Hurts them. It was Um, a big effort last week, and I don't think they're going to be able to back it up. Well, I want to see if the Roosters can back that performance up. There was some... Concerns there in that they had less possession, they made more errors than Cronulla. They give South those sort of opportunities, they're going to be in a fight. Yep, and Mr. Gossip, he is also on the Roosters and the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.36, thirty-six, three twenty for Souths, minus 8.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Roosters, $3.450 Souths, 13 plus Roosters, $2.35, $8 Souths. Storm, Newcastle, 
Kicks off the Friday night at Amy Park, 6 p.m. Melbourne desperate for a win, been very inconsistent so far. And the big change, Bellamy obviously losing patience with the underperforming Brody Croft. He's been dropped out of the side completely. Uh, Riley Jacks, he's back in. Kenny Bromwich is starting at 13 now. And back to the bench goes Tim Glasby uh, on the Newcastle side of things. Mitch Barnett suspended again. He's out for a week. So SASA is going to play lock. Safidi will start at prop and his brother Jacob comes onto the bench. I honestly think from what I've seen early on that they could outgrit Melbourne the way they're playing right now. But Melbourne at home, off that loss, Jack's coming in. I think they'll complete high, kick well and try and strangle Newcastle out in an ugly win. So I'll be taking the Storm. Storm. For reasons that you have outlined, my friend. Yep. Mr. Gossip on board as well. At Amy Park after losing, uh, you'd think they definitely want to bounce back. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.28 for the Storm, three seventy-five for Newcastle. Minus 10.5 is the line, and I don't mind that start, to be honest. I no. really don't mind that start at all. 1 to 12, Storm, $3. $5 for Newcastle. 13 plus Storm, $2.10. $10 for Newcastle. A cracker game, and silly that they're already played twice this year. The Dragons and the Sharks, and we've seen this happen last week. Storm, and I, I don't understand the draw that you can play two. It's not very smart. There's plenty of teams that are going to play twice within the first eight rounds, which is dumb. Yep. Some within the first five rounds, which is even stupider. But the local derby, you've got to spread this out, surely. Back into the year after Origin, when teams are on the run home and one earlier in the year, maybe three or four rounds in. So teams have got some form, but this one should be a cracker at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. For the Dragons, Harme Sello takes Lucci. Uh, Luciano Leilua's spot on the bench for the only change for the Dragons. No surprise for the Dragons. Dugan's back at centre for Ramian. Moylan stays at fullback. Hodkinson stays at 5'8". Um, and Edric Lee returns on a wing with Fecky out of the side. So he's not even in the extended reserves. I don't know whether that's an injury. It doesn't say that it's an injury. Seguiaro has a concussion. So he is out of the side as well. And Kurt Dillon finally gets his debut on the front row. He's been outstanding the last two years. A young prop who's come for their 20 system and played good in cup. So he gets an opportunity there. Uh, for me here, Dragons in Wollongong for basically the fact they don't have those changes. I think the Sharks will make it scrappy. They'll be wanting revenge, but again, just the stability. They need to make a decision and stick with it as far as the spine is concerned. To me, this is their best spine. Moylan at the back, Dugan in centre, Holmes on the wing. You involve Holmes as much as you can on kick returns and you get Dugan back, play four or five if you want to do the kick returns, much like I said the other year. Two of us, Shek Minichel at the back end. He took those tougher carries in yardage, but he didn't have the ball-playing ability. So Roger, two of us, Shek jumped into attack when they were playing with the ball. Yep. Um, I think you can do enough to fit all those guys in and maximise what they do. But I'll be going the Dragons. Dragons. Down in Wollongong. Mr. Gossip, he's also gone the Dragons down there at Wynn Stadium. To remain undefeated. And the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.54, the Dragons, $2.50. The Sharks, minus 5.5, the line. 1-12, Dragons, two ninety three sixty for the Sharks. 13 plus, $3 for the Dragons, $7 for the Sharks. The Warriors versus the Broncos over there in New Zealand. No changes, as you'd expect, for the Warriors, for the Broncos. Alex Glenn returns in the back row. Sewell pushes back to the bench, and Opacek is out. I am feeling a 13-plus win. They're generally good against the Broncos regardless of how they're going every single year. It's just one of those teams that seem to play well against Brisbane. It's in New Zealand after three tough road wins and a couple of good wins at home. I think this could be a real coming out party for the Warriors. Yeah, Warriors. Warriors, my friend. 
And uh, Brisbane have got to show me something before I even think about tipping them. Well, this is a big weekend traveling over there. This is about as big a test as you're going to get from early season form from what we've seen so far. Yeah. Mr. Gossip agrees. Clean sweep so far with the tips and a dollar fifty favorite are the Warriors. I like those odds. The Broncos two sixty thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate minus five and a half is a line. One to twelve Warriors three dollars three seventy five. The Broncos thirteen plus two ninety. The Warriors six fifty. The Broncos Cowboys versus the Dogs basically. Time to get things started. Otherwise, I don't think you can put the pen through them, but it's going to be a long way home, and you know they're going to have origin players, which is what makes it harder for me to think that they can come back if they're, say, 1-6, and 1-7 and seven after this week. Yeah, I agree. Regardless yeah. of form, you're probably looking at bare minimum Michael Morgan being in the side. Thurston's retired. Hess on incumbency. They're pretty loyal. He played last year. Gavin Cooper played last year. So you're still going to be missing at least two or three. And the way they're playing right now, they can't afford to lose anybody. So this is crunch time for me. Yeah. Right now. Uh, the Cowboys have got Coot back at fullback. Ben Hampton has pushed into starting centre with Jarvid Bowen dropped from the side. So defensively, I think it's a bit of a strange move. Hampton, I think, has done all right with his opportunities at the back. Um, he's been pretty decent in attack with the ball. But playing at centre, that's going to be a big test, I think, defensively for him. But for the Bulldogs, they've known an unchanged 17 in expectation that Josh Jackson will beat his charge. If he doesn't beat his charge, Reese Martin or Renault Tuamaga will be named on the reserves. Yeah, good luck. So they're unchanged. Cowboys at home, this is a must win. Have to tip the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, Misty Gossip agrees with the same sentiment there. Massive game for the Cowboys this weekend. Can they come home with the bacon? The bookies certainly agree. $1.28 for the Cowboys. The Bulldogs, three seventy-five minus ten and a half is the line. One to twelve Cowboys, two ninety five dollars dogs. Thirteen plus Cowboys, two ten. Twelve dollars for the dogs. Raiders, Parramatta was hoping this was going to be the battle of the winless teams, but Canberra ruined that party last week when they got a win. Uh, they've got Jack Whiten back at fullback, despite the court case coming up this week, and obviously things probably won't be passed down there, so they think that he'll be still there. Kotrick has gone back to the wing. In place of Oldfield, Austin is recording the halves because Sam Williams is out with his knee injury and Caesar's back in the seven. Josh Papali also returns after one week and he is on the interchange bench. So Liam Knight is out of the side. Eel side of things, they've finally got Clint Gutherson back. He's straight back to fullback. Will Smith goes to the reserves. Bevan French returns on the wing for Josh Hoffman and George Jennings holds his spot after playing quite well, I think, in his first couple of games in first grade for Para. Uh, Nathan Brown is out with an ankle injury. Maroa will start for him, and Evans joins the bench. As much as I think uh, Gufferson back is massive and helps out with their set starts and their kick returns, losing Nathan Brown's huge. I'm not a big fan of the forward pack. Like You've got Tony Williams starting after he's barely played the last 18 months on the bench. Bo Scott still, for me, shouldn't be there. Daniel Alvaro, there's just not enough in the forward pack. Raiders at home. I'm going to go the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. I, I can't tip the Eels after watching them live last week. I just think the Raiders are going to have too many points for them. Yeah. Well, Mr. Gossip, this is the first different tip. Finally, here's back Parramatta. And he, oh. He's almost backed them every week. Yeah, he's on drugs. He's trying to flip things over here, but with the bookies, the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.65 for the Raiders, two twenty five for the Eels, minus 3.5 is the line. 1-12 to 12 Raiders, $3.375 for Parramatta. 13-plus Raiders, three thirty five dollars Parramatta. Panthers, Gold Coast. I was really looking forward to this one. Uh, and it's in our backyard here in Penrith, 2 p.m., nice sunny Sunday. The Panthers have got Yo going from the back row to the center to cover for Wanga Blake with his ankle injury. Harawira Naira then moves in to start in the back row, and Kate Ellis is finally getting a debut. He's named on the bench in Jersey 15. Much-deserved debut, yeah. too. 
Good on him. Wade Egan, Moses Laota. It's good to see all the juniors there when you look at it. Laota, Ellis, Egan, Fisher-Harris, Harawira, Niwa, uh, Campbell, Gillard, Christian, Crichton, Yo, Edwards. Like They've got nine guys starting the side right now that have played 20s recently in the last couple of years, which yeah. is amazing. So... Uh, on the Titan side of things, Max King moves to prop. Well, then you got three of your bench. For well. Ryan James, because he's suspended. Will Matthews returns to the back row. Jack Stockwell replaces Keegan Hipgrave on the bench. Well, that's a bit of a random change here. I do like Hipgrave. He's a bit crazy, but he needs to kind of reel things back in if he wants to play consistent NRL. Ryan James is a pretty big loss um, and traveling away. I'm going to stick with the Panthers, but... This one, I kind of sniff an upset, to be honest. Mm. I'm going the uh, the Panthers. Titans, I don't know. Beat, beat a side like Penrith, and I'll be convinced. Yeah. Uh, Manly and Brisbane, to me, similar issues. And they don't really have... Well, they don't have two halves. Neither side has two halves, and they both got pretty close to the Titans at, at different stages. I mean, the Titans did well to win those two games, but... The last real fluent side they played was the Dragons, and they spanked them. So I think yeah. Penrith are a better side than Manly and Brisbane. So. Well, if that middle opens up, which we've seen, and it can be poor defensively at times, they're going to be in trouble. Let's put it that way. Without but Penrith, have got a, Penrith have got a stinker in them as well. Like We've seen them. They've, well, the last couple of weeks, they've sort of started to play better than 40 minutes a game. But Yeah, well, they had to claw back the first few games, and the Bulldogs, they did it too late. They weren't so. very good against Parramatta on the weekend. No. So they wouldn't have... They wouldn't have beaten many other sides apart from Parramatta on, on the weekend. So, no. Gold Coast will go in confident. Agree with you there. Gossett, he's gone. He's Penny Panthers as well. They're $1.40 favourites. $3 for the Gold Coast. Minus 7.5 is a line. 1 to 12, $3. Panthers, $4. Titans, 13 plus. 260 Panthers, 750 for the Titans in the last game of the round. Manly versus the Tigers. Tom Trevojevich returns at fullback. Brad Parker was a late scratching last week, but he's back on the wing. Matt and Jonathan Wright are both out. Uh, and a strong club debut for Jack Gozowski means he moves into the starting side with Frank Winnesign going back to the benching. Gozowski, I liked him at South. He was pretty rugged. He had a good start in the Cup this year for Blacktown or Manly Workers, whatever they're called now, and he got four the other week in a game. So definitely knocking down the door to get some game time. On the West Tigers side of things, Josh Reynolds returns to the bench. Little moves in to start because Peter Godinate is out. Tui Lola here has been dropped from the side. He's outskies. Whoa. He's made some ruthless decisions earlier in the year, hasn't he? McKewick played in the first couple of wins, and he was dropped from the side for little. You've got Lola here, who you know kind of made that big play last week with the seven-tackle set, and I didn't think he was too bad. He's out now. Corey Thompson's at fullback. Nofaluma's of been dropped twice. He's been recalled on the wing. The competition, I tell you what, you can't be complacent at the Tigers. Nope. Alex Good. Twole starts at prop because Russell Packer is out, oh. and that is a big one. And Soasso Sue joins the bench. Elijah Taylor. Still not back from his injury either. And this is at Lotto Land. So yeah, I'd I hate had, to say I had West Tigers penciled in, but I'm going to go Manly. Yeah. At Lotto Land, Tommy back. He's trying to push his origin case. Um, Packers, a massive loss. Madalino. Tom said, like the back line reshuffle, I don't have a big problem with. They're, they're all good players. But yeah, I think just that, that one loss in the front row and how tough they've been the last couple of weeks. It's going to be hard to keep getting up week in, week out. Mm. So I'm going to go Manly, much like Manly, you. daytime. Mr. Gossip, Tigers. Mm-hmm. He's going the, the upset, you would say, in this circumstance. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, a $1.65 favourite are the Manly Seagulls. The Tigers, two twenty five minus three and a half is the line. One to twelve Manly, two ninety three fifty for the Tigers. Thirteen plus Manly, three fifty and five fifty for the West Tigers.
And that wraps us up for another week with our betting and tips segment. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, as we said before, that offer, $99 for your first month. Get on board, give it a trial, no locking contracts. Leave anytime you want. If the tips they provide you with don't return a profit box head, you cancel anytime. Money back. You get your uh, second month for free anyway. So you can give it another run for another month with no charge to yourself. And if you're not happy after that, you bail out. Mm. So $99 basically uh, will get you your first month. And if things don't work out, second month for free. There you go. Pro Sports Syndicate. Look up those guys, professional punters. They do it for a living. Return a profit of 27% for the NFL. And they do good with the horses and many other things. So not just rugby league for the Pro Sports Syndicate. Thank you, Penner Solar Centre. Get on top of that there. If you want to beat your power bills down, pay that off in three or four years. It takes care of itself. Nepean Boltmaster, any trades out there, anyone you're looking for any supplies, it's more than just engineering, abrasives and fasteners. They can do all things at Nepean Boltmaster. Wasn't the boys there. And Poker Deluxe, they do bucks parties, business events. They teach you how to play poker. But most importantly, for anyone listening here involved with the Rugby League Club, fundraisers, $1,000 guaranteed profit. Get on to pokerdeluxe.com.au. I think the last one is just thinking I said last week, Brock, that obviously we had two sponsors paying for charity uh, at the luncheon the other yep. week. Full Spectrum Services, Mark there and his mob, and obviously Insignia here and Dace Bar, man and the ladies there who come on board and chipped in to help the Great Walk Foundation, who was one of our great sponsors from last year. Absolutely. So give yep. a quick plug to those guys there right now before we finish up the show. And with Full Spectrum Services, Mark and all the workers over there, fantastic support from them. You can get on board with them. Uh, Absolutely outstanding. They give you a range of things they cover. They're great people, brilliant outcomes, and amazing service from Full Spectrum Services. They are the leaders in Western Sydney for pest control, pool fence compliance, and commercial cleaning. They're excellent Service experience is diverse, but their core values are rock solid. At full spectrum, you'll enjoy exceptional service, quality products, and the result, a great outcome for you, home or office, every single time. Pool certifications, get on board with that. Be compliant, get registered, and be safe. Avoid those fines. Dependent and affordable pest control. They use the latest technology, products that are safe for you, your home, your family, and your pets with peace in mind. And first-class house and office cleaning. Look no further. Workplace, office, commercial, house cleaning. Affordable, flexible, and damn good. Fullspectrumservices.com.au or mark on 0430-220-263. And Insignia, Hair and Day Spa. Well, the ladies there, look no further. 14 of 69 York Road in Jemison Town, Penrith. We'll give them a call on 47-223503. Insigniahairanddayspa.com.au. They are an award-winning hairdresser, and they don't only just do hairdressing. They've got the beauty salon. They've got massage therapy. There's a nail parlor all in the heart of Penrith. They can give you creative cuts for men, women, children. They can give you restyles, all the bits and pieces to do with that. But on top of it, you can get all the bits and bobs done. There's spa packages, there's beauty or remedial massage, sports massage. They've got the whole kit and caboodle, the award-winning team there, and a man that they will leave you after working together with the ultimate relaxing experience and you'll walk out on cloud nine. Looking good is feeling good. Insignia, hair and day spa. Get on board. That's us done for another week. Another huge show. Thanks to our sponsors. If you're in any of our local areas or in reach for any of those and you're looking for any of those services, Please support our sponsors as they support us. And thank you to everyone there listening to the show who supports us as well. Rate, review us on iTunes. Punch up those five stars. Get our rating up to five stars as a total. And uh, always feel free to send through any messages. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your rugby league. 
Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.